sir. <laughs> I'm gonna fire it up. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to in-person meetings. I'm going to call the regular city council meeting to order. Can we have roll call, please? Council Agency Authority Member Sullivan. Here. Stockton. Here. Ritchie. Here. Silva. Here. Wiley. Here. Vice Mayor, Vice Chair Roberts. Here. Mayor Chair Roulette. I am here. If you will please stand with me for a moment of silence. And then Vice Mayor, would you lead us in the pledge? Right. Uh, item three, approval of the agenda. Mr. City Manager, do we have any corrections to the agenda? No, we do not. Uh, I'll entertain motion. Second. Do you have a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Unanimous. I am for approval of minutes. I'll entertain motion. I make a motion Okay. Second. Great. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Okay, it's unanimous. Mr. Mayor? Yes. Because we have a, oh, a teleconference we need to do. We got a roll call vote. Thank you, Councilmember Sullivan. <laughs> Sorry. So we will move to, do we have to go back and redo everything? No, I think we can. Okay. So we will move to item 5A, uh, presentations. I believe Mary Decker will be coming up. Good evening, Mayor Roulette, Vice Mayor Roberts, and Council. Each April, nationwide, we commemorate the passage of the Fair Housing Act, which was signed into law April 11, 1968. This year, the theme is fair housing more than just words. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination in housing transactions based on race, color, national origin, religion, sex, including sexual orientation and gender identity, family status, and disability. In California, additional protection for source of income was signed into law January 1st, 2020. The new pro protection means housing providers such as landlords cannot refuse, refuse to rent to someone um, based on their income or the fact that they get a subsidy for rental assistance such as the Housing Choice Voucher Program in order to help them pay for their rent and afford that rent. To celebrate Fair Housing Rent Month, the Housing and Community Services Department has scheduled a fair housing workshop on April 18th in partnership with Legal Services of Northern California and HUD's uh, Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity. This workshop is for owners, managers, property managers. A coloring contest is also underway. And that we do that in partnership with the Boys and Girls Club and the local TGIF facilities. So tonight, we'd like to recognize the city of Vacaville and its commitment to fair housing and for the residents. Thank you. Thank you very much. I do have a proclamation for Fair Housing Month. Uh, I'll read a little bit of it. Whereas the principle of fair housing is not only the state and national law and policy, but fundament fundamentally human concept that entitles for all citizens 
And whereas the community, we welcome all good neighbors, recognizing the contributions and richness tendered by a wide variety of young and old, male and female, people of all colors, ethnic backgrounds, religious traditions, etc. And now, therefore, being resolved, I, Ron Roulette, Mayor, on behalf of the entire City Council, proclaim April 2022 Fair Housing Month in the City of Vacaville, and we urge all residents in our community to personally adopt the spirit of equal housing opportunity and adhere to the letter and character of the Fair Housing Laws. So do you want to come up and Okay, um, we will move to item uh, six, which is the consent. I will be recusing myself for 6A. However, because it's a consent item, I will be staying here. So with that, I'm gonna skip 6A. I'm go well, actually, I'm not gonna skip 6A yet. Is there anybody from the audience that wants to pull any item from the consent calendar? Is there anybody from the council that wants to pull any item from the consent calendar? Okay, so then I'll move from 6B to 6E. I'll entertain motion. Motion approved 6B3. Okay, do I have a second? Second. And we will roll call vote. <laughs> Council Member Stockton? Yes. Council Member Ritchie? Yes. Council Member Silva? Yes. Council Member Wiley? Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts? Yes. Council Member Sullivan? Yes. Marouette? Yes. And now I'll hand it over to Vice Mayor for 6A. Uh, Mr. City Manager, if you want to go ahead and go over item 6A. So you could just entertain oh, motion. Entertain motion. Yep. Uh, if somebody want to entertain motion for item 6A. I'll, I'll move to entertain motion. Second. You have a second here. Uh, roll call vote. Council Member Ritchie? Yes. Council Member Silva? Yes. Council Member Wiley? Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts? Yes. Council Member Sullivan? Yes. Council Member Stockton? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, we will move to item seven, business from the floor. This is time to address the council with issues that are not on the agenda, but are within the council subject matter jurisdiction. Are you coming up? Okay, I'm going to, oh, are you coming up? Yes, ma'am. Good evening, Mayor Roulette and Vice Mayor and Council Members. I would just like to ask that the Council continue to consider hybrid Council meetings and that City staff would look into the feasibility of it as I will be checking with my neighbors to see that they would use that if it were available. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else for public comment? I'm gonna close public comment and we will move to item, I believe we're on 8A now, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. This first public hearing item is a report from the Vacaville Housing Authority Public Agency Annual Plan. We have both Emily Cantu and Tamara Colden from our Housing Services Department to make a presentation tonight. Good evening, Mayor Roulette, council members, can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Right, perfect. All right, 
tonight's action for consideration is to approve the Vacaville Housing Authority 2022 to 2023 uh, public housing agency plan. The HUD Housing Choice Voucher Program is administered by the Vacaville Housing Authority. The program provides subsidy to eligible families to rent units on the open market. Uh, the program puts over $12 million in the market each year through housing subsidy. And the Vacaville Housing Authority is currently allocated 1,366 vouchers each year. HUD requires public housing authorities to submit an annual agency plan. Since the VHA or Vacaville Housing Authority is designated as a high performing agency, it is eligible to submit a streamlined agency plan. This year's plan will cover the period from July 1st of 2022 through June 30th of 2023. The plan provides the information and documents listed here, including the Vacaville Housing Authority's progress towards meeting the goals and, objects and objectives outlined in the five-year plan. Some accomplishments that I would like to highlight tonight include that during this fiscal year, uh, to date, the Vacaville Housing Authority has conducted over 285 eligibility assessments for its regular mainstream and emergency housing voucher program, um, as well as uh, the Vacaville Housing Authority applied for and was awarded uh, an additional $140,000 in family self-sufficiency grant funding um, for its family self-sufficiency program. Uh, the Housing Authority used that funding to hire an additional uh, housing specialists that will assist families in case management, linkages to resources, and overall assistance um, towards self-sufficiency. The draft annual plan was available for the 45-day public review period. It was posted on the city's we website as well as available in the office for review. And tonight, the Housing Authority Board is being asked to hold the required public hearing and consider approval of the, pl of the plan. Um, there are no additional funds being requested as part of approval of this plan. And if approved, it will be submitted to HUD by the April 17th deadline. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions or comments from the board or from the public. Thank you so much for the presentation. I'm going to open it up for public comment. Seeing no public comment, I'll bring it back to council for comment. Mayor, I've got a question. Yes, go ahead, sir. Thank you. Sorry to be a pain in the butt. Uh, so I'm curious on our on our lease up rate, and I'm not sure if I'm saying the term correctly here for Vacaville. I know in my day job, you know, we're, we're issuing vouchers by the dozens, if not the hundreds, but actually using those vouchers or finding vacant properties has become a huge challenge. Do we track that sort of data in Vacaville? Do we have a lease up rate currently? And is that trending in a positive direction or trending in a negative direction? We do have um, a lease up rate that we track. I apologize, I don't have those numbers with me, but I'd be happy to provide those uh, to council member Solo. Thank you. Yeah, I would add, um, we are using all the money so we may not be using all the vouchers, but all of the housing assistance funds we receive are being used um, with families to keep them in housing. So we would be exhausting the subsidies. So, so basically we're still, the money's not sitting on the table is what you're saying. It's actually being used for folks in housing. So, so that is kind of a good indicator. Is that what you're sort of indicating? 
Yes, that's correct. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll entertain motion. All right. All right. Roll call vote, please. Council Member Silva? Here. Council Member Wiley? Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts? Yes. Council Member Sullivan? Yes. Council Member Stockton? Yes. Council Member Ritchie? Yes. Mayor Rollett? Yes. Okay. Item 8B, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of the City Council. This next item is an ordinance adding Chapter 9.62 to Title IX of the Vacaville Municipal Code regarding firework regulations within city limits. We have both our Fire Marshal Jill Childers and our Fire Chief Chris Conception and our Deputy City Attorney David Nam here to make a presentation tonight. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and member of this, members of the City Council. There we go. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, again, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and members of the City Council. Tonight, we are here to present a new proposed fireworks ordinance. In February, staff was asked to bring possible enforcement options to City Council. During the February 8th meeting, staff provided the council with three possible enforcement options. The direction given by council was to bring back a new fireworks ordinance that focused on social host liability. Tonight, we are here to present that ordinance. Before we get started, there were a couple of errors that we wanted to address. First, under section 9.62.110.B.4, Reference to first report should be changed to enforcement officer's written report. Reference to second and third report should be changed to police or fire report. And under section 9.62.110.F.6, we are changing hearing officer in the first sentence to enforcement officer. Staff is proposing to add chapter 9.62 fireworks regulations to title IX of the Vacaville Municipal Code. We believe by adding this section that staff will have different types of enforcement op options available to them depending on the situations that they come across in the field. This new ordinance will focus on holding property owners responsible for the possession and use of fireworks on their property unless they can provide information to the city that proves they have rented or leased out the property. It also gives staff the authority to hold a host of a gathering responsible for the possession or use of fireworks, both on private and public prop property. And lastly, parents or guardians of minors who possess or use fireworks can be held liable. Currently, staff is required to witness the specific person who discharged the fireworks to issue a citation for the use of fireworks. With this new ordinance, staff will be able to focus on the location of where fireworks are discharged and not on the person. This will help with enforcement when fireworks are discharged in large groups or when fireworks are discharged from backyards. In addition, staff will be able to issue citations on the spot or in the mail, depending on the situation. This will assist in making enforcement less confrontational at the scene. Our proposed citations for this ordinance are as follows. Dangerous fireworks of any kind will be subject to an administrative fine of $1,000 per occurrence. Safe and sane fireworks will be subject to administrative fines as follows. First citation is $250. Second violation is $500. The third violation is $750. Fourth or more violations are $1,000 per occurrence. 
staff is proposing to follow the city's normal appeals process and everyone will have the right to request a hearing to appeal the cost of any administrative fines or response costs. Staff recommend, uh, staff's recommendation is to, by title only, introduce the subject ordinance as amended. Thank you for taking the time to consider this new ordinance and we are now open to questions or comments. Thank you for the presentation. Open to public comment. Seeing no public comment, I'll bring it back to City Council. I see Council Member Silva. I guess, um, thanks for the presentation and the work and you know, doing the research and bringing back what hopefully addresses a lot of community concerns. Um, I think the, the one thing that, you know, I think there was comments mentioned last time that I kind of, I kind of share, but you know, based on what residents are at and what they're looking for, you know, I'm a, I'm a client to support it. I do, uh, I would like council support to any fees that are generated from this, uh, for the fees to be allocated to any youth programming. I think just under that umbrella term, youth programming. Um, so if we, I don't know if there's any comments that we made, but I'll, I'll motion. City Attorney, I, I do want to make a comment. Members, if you like to. I, I have a comment to when, whenever. Okay. Uh, if we make a motion, can we direct the money to go to a special bucket? That's not typically how it would happen. It would go to the um, general fund. The, the um, I think you could uh, indicate your preference, but that's how it'd be spent uh, ultimately. But generally, it would go to the to the general fund. So that if we're going to make a motion tonight, we just keep with the motion. Correct. To it, it's, okay. Um, let's go. It's been a while since I've been on here. So, uh, Council Member Wiley. Thank you for the presentation. Well, it's an area that a lot of members are really, uh, residents are really interested in. And, you know, we saw a lot of signs last year, you know, zero tolerance. But um, the week before and the week after, you know, there were a lot of fireworks in the neighborhood. And particularly with the high fire season and everything, I do feel like we have to be more forceful about our enforcing this rule. Um, my question is, do many other cities have similar language and has it proved successful for them? Thank you for the question. Um, so uh, this is a relatively new method of um, deterrent as far as fireworks use. Um, so more and more jurisdictions are starting to do the social host ordinance. Um, as far as data is concerned, we talked to a couple of other jurisdictions and the, the data so far is, is anecdotal. We don't have exact percentages of how much it's reduced fireworks use or, um, you know, we, we do, I talked to uh, Sassoon uh, City who does have, um, or we talked to Sassoon City and they do have this ordinance. They've had it in place for a couple of years. Um, as far as um, lessening the, the fireworks use, kind of questionable. Um, and as far as the, the, the fees or the fines that they have generated in the last couple of years, uh, 26 to $28,000. No. All right, the other thing that I just wanted to say is, you know, reading it in the agenda, there's what, 10 different sections and they're pretty wordy and social host, you know, what's a social host to most people. So we would have to have a vigorous educational 
um, from now until the 4th of July so that people understood that's you if someone's setting off fireworks at your house um, or if it's you know your child or something. So it would be real important to get the word out to everyone exactly what this means and what the fines are and why they should prevent the fireworks so that they didn't um, get caught up in this. So thanks. Councilmember Stockton. Great presentation. Thank you for finding a way to think outside the box. Um, couple questions. How involved will the reporting party be as it relates to this? And will they still have to testify at your hearing if the person who has issued a citation has to be uh, asked for that, that review process? Sorry, so you're saying if a neighbor calls in maybe to complain on another neighbor? Right. So the way I'm understanding it is we would wanna witness that ourselves. And we would be the one taking the video and we would be the ones taking the photo the staff would be in order to issue this administrative citation. Okay, so, so a representative from the fire department, the city or a CSO or somebody that falls kind of in between would have to on view the fireworks in order to issue the citation. Right, and we would have to take a, vote, a photo or a video of it as well. Okay, and how will that work with um, detentions? So like, and, and maybe the, the, the chief or the captain can answer that, but will this municipal code give law enforcement the opportunity to detain individuals that have been reported to have, you know, lighting the fireworks in the park or in their backyards? We'll have to deter to the PD for that part, the first, not deter. We're gonna approach this as an administrative review process. Uh, it's not going to be the aim of the police department to use this as a detention. If it becomes a, um, a issue at the scene where uh, parties are um, becoming resistive or obstructive, it's gonna be a walk away type of situation more than likely and we'll issue the citation at a later date okay. through either the fire department or code enforcement or the police department. We're not looking to use this as a detention. Okay, thank you very much for that. And then my last question is, is there something along the same line, I know this is switching gears a little bit, that can be used for the barking dog that we all get, right, with your neighbors and the barking dog in the backyard. Is, is there anything like that with a, I know this is totally separate, but <laughs> it's related in a way that, you know, citizens don't like to call and be the um, RP or you know, the person to sign a citation for these types of disturbances. Like you said, so it takes three members from a neighborhood right. to submit a complaint in order for us to look into it and investigate it as a public nuisance. Right. It's not written into the ordinance as is, but um, under 810 of the VMC, there is a section um, that does allow us to enforce other restrictions as a public nuisance? Yes, that's correct. So this particular ordinance is, uh, as you know, more focused toward fireworks sure. ordinance. Um, to your question, we can certainly look into that, but uh, we already do have other ordinances addressing uh, barking dogs. The, one of the practical difficulties is of, with the fireworks, you can see it, barking dogs, you're hearing it, but not necessarily able to pinpoint the, the location might be coming from. Is that? Yeah, no, that answers my question. I just see this procedural process as being one that 
kind of gives citizens an opportunity to address concerns in their neighborhood mm -hmm. without, you know, knocking on their neighbor's door or putting themselves in a potentially uncomfortable or dangerous situation if they don't have to. And that's just another common situation that occurs more frequently throughout the year than just on the 4th of July or New Year's. And so um, it's that kind of out of the box thinking that I thought might could be expanded in another area that's similar with, with having disputes or issues like that. So thank you for asking that. Councilmember Ritchie. Thank you so much for this uh, presentation. Um, so I just kind of want to be aware of what everyone said, so I'm repeating, but um, one of the things I was kind of sharing about, is I think it's awesome what you guys are doing, like uh, local case studies of the cities you're, you're using, um, but people can game the system. So I mean, like for me, it makes my mind go fast. I'm like, okay, if I have 20 people, hopefully they can all of a sudden, hey, money in the pot, let's rock and roll, have a big time. and thousand dollars and 30 people so you know I want something to be there so people can't game the system and kind of mock the system and create a kind of a combustible situation where there's no the house that's being the antagonist back when PD rolls up and they're they're mocking them because hey you know you know here's the money's right here so I would like that there be like some kind of acceleration where if there's people who are gaming the system and they're gonna they're gonna kind of knowledgeably break the rules and push up envelope thousand dollars for 20 people in some neighborhoods by by you know it's it's a cost to do business and i think people we shouldn't put police in a situation where they're they're shown to houses where people are their games is mocking them and saying i'll take your ticket um i think there's to be like an acceleration where if they can find out through say social media posts that they were there's all fun and games like it may maybe it was a 5x or you know if, if, if it's hey Someone got a little too drunk and on the fireworks were told not to. That's the situation that that's that sucks. But there's still inherent danger. Tree could come on fire, house could burn down. But if they're premeditatively getting ready to rock and roll and the money's in a pot, that I think they should really pay for the high penalty because that's gonna really deter people from kind of um really putting us in a line of line of line of danger. If you guys show up at a house that maybe they want to they planned ahead and went overboard. They bought a ton of fireworks. If we're going to do it, let's let's go over the, over the top. And now they're going to put their neighbors two streets over in danger. Um, so I, I think I like I like to see us go forward with some kind of way. Like if they're gaming the system, there's like a five x or you know three times five times the penalty. So it really deter people for for trying to think outside the box in a creative way to kind of play the system. So, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but we are governed by the health and safety code as far as the amount of citations that we can impose as far as, as the amount, right? That is correct. As a general law city, we are um, somewhat limited to the amount of fines that we can uh, charge folks. Um, th this uh, ordinance was originally drafted with the notion that we would try to provide as much education to folks as possible, help them and encourage them to uh, be safe and, and not shoot off fireworks. Um, we also want to be mindful of the uh, fact that some folks may not know of this, and so we put in an escalator clause, as you saw, in, in terms of the fines, um, so that in, in the event that people are clearly not understanding um, this ordinance or not understanding our concerns and trying to be safe, that we would end up charging more. But uh, as Fire Marshal Childers has alluded to it, we are constrained as a general law city. Council Member Sullivan, did you want to 
Yes, thank you, Mary. I appreciate it. Um, so my, my comment is, is uh, sort of along the lines of what a few other council members have stated already. So I, I really appreciate the quick action on this and the creative thinking and kind of getting outside the box. So thank you so much, Jill and Chief, for the flexibility and, and creative thinking. Um, I want to sort of add on, I think, to Councilmember Wiley's comment. I think, you know, last year, I believe the fire departments had these really great graphic signs saying no fireworks. And that I, I even saw, I think, in some private shopping centers and other areas. You know, I'm hoping maybe tonight as part of the motion, we could also include a small marketing budget where Joanna can get with Jill and work for Magic and actually do some signs and really kind of blow up, you know, hey, you're going to get a big fine this year. Here's the fine for fireworks and sort of emulate the signage schema we had last year. Um, I love the plan, I love the process. I think the more advanced notice we can give to people, the better. You know, maybe we do a utility stuffer, put it on social media. But I did think the signs in front of the fire stations last year were really effective. And if you had a big old sign that said, you'll get a fine this year for fireworks, I think that would at least give residents some fair notice and, and hopefully alleviate the problem. So, um, you know, I don't know if that could be included in the motion as stated, but I would like to give you some marketing support to really get the word out to folks uh, so that they're A, not surprised, but B, that we mitigate the fire risk as we enter another drought year. Uh, and then great job on the plan. I, I like it. Mr. City Manager. So in response to that, we can certainly, I would suggest we keep the motion as is, but we can certainly work with the fire department with our finance department to see what can be done in terms of uh, increasing outreach opportunities on this particular subject. Okay, and then, um, I know your hands went up, but I think you're just waiting for a motion. Or did you want to comment again? Yeah. Okay, then I'll let you comment. Go ahead, Jim. Okay. So hi. <laughs> uh, intro. Going back to the um, funding, allocating the funding for youth programming, it didn't sound like that was a no. <laughs> so I'm under the impression that we can. What I would suggest is, is that we keep the motion as, as going forward and then as part of the budget process, we can talk about where those funds would go um, because that will be, uh, the timing will coincide with our, our next year's fiscal year budget. So I'm not clear on what the problem is with adding one line that says fees generated will be allocated to youth programming. We would just need to look into whether or not that uh, we can allocate the funding that way from this specific uh, violation. Of course, we can. We make the policies. Ooh, so, so as as the city manager recommended, we um, you know we do have the ordinance uh, as written, and we can certainly bring back that um, that request during the budget process. We can also come back and amend the ordinance if um, if we want to specify the. Um, direction of the funds. So it still doesn't sound like a no. Uh, can we put it as a separate line item on our budget as far as fees generated from firework ordinance violations? I think that's certainly something that the council can consider when they're considering the budget. But it sounds like we can put it as, so based on these, the comp, so I appreciate all the input. So it sounds to me like we can, uh, but as much as you, as a city would prefer us to keep it separate. I would suggest that because there's some research that we need to do to make sure that we're not committing to something that we don't presently know of at this time, that we go ahead and move forward if the council's desirous of approving the action tonight, that we go ahead and get the, the ball rolling with the ordinance so that we can start the outreach in, in time for the 4th of July holiday 
And then as we go through the budget process in the months of May and June, we can have those conversations with council and, and staff. Yeah, so uh, thank you for that. Um, and that's why I was kind of, or I guess, and maybe from private conversations, I think this is another example of uh, perhaps why, like if I brought, since I did bring this up last time we talked about it, why I guess it's important we have a quorum uh, speak up on certain issues. Um, so uh, with that said, can we can we make a line item that it just be something that's separate? So we're, we're just, we, we will be tracking any fees that'll be generated from this separately. There's a way for us to track that. Yes, we can do that. And then as, again, when we come back with budget, we will make sure to have that answer for you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> that generated, I think everybody back again. So we'll start back with Council Member Ritchie. My comments quickly, just to piggyback up his, um, maybe to help out. If maybe we don't do it do an all or nothing approach, but at least have the option. Like maybe list like thirty or something accredited um, nonprofits that you can give the person choice. Hey, it's a thousand dollar fine. Fifty percent of the fine can go towards uh, one of these listed accredited nonprofits. You do basically the choice either a hundred dollar, thousand dollar fee to the city, or up to fifty percent of the subject fee can go towards a a credit um, nonprofit. So therefore, we still generate revenues. It comes is a pastor entity. It comes through the appropriate channels, and they can then allocate it towards a like the Boys and Girls Club or Eleven. Um, if, it, if, it, if, you, if you receive it, then therefore, then the city can then take their funds, <coughs> push it towards a accredited nonprofit. That maybe it's easier because it would go through the process that you're speaking of of the legal requirement. Then you acknowledge that you, you want the funds to go to this source. Then you guys can then take that deposit and credit towards the nonprofit. Maybe, maybe that will. <laughs> That's it. Council Council Member Stockton. Yes, thank you. Um, while I admire both of your both of my colleagues' commitments to the youth. I, I really think this ordinance exists because people are frustrated with fireworks, right? And so I, I guess my ask would be, if we're really trying to address this issue, I would appreciate it if we could get some statistics so that when that budget time does come back around, we can see how much the supplemental staffing costs for the extra hired police officers, correctional officers, and firefighters that are doing kind of that extra patrol or saturation before we think about um, adding those costs to some of the other suggestions that have been made. So is there going to be a like statistics component to this um, that will include how many officers are needed by the uh, our firefighters or officers that are going to be needed to, to saturate the area during, you know, 4th of July holiday and with New Year's? We have to up, up staff every 4th of July because of the fireworks use anyway and, and, and the plans and so uh, we will definitely keep track of, of those costs, of those additional costs. Councilmember Wiley. Yes, thank you very much. I just wanted to speak against adding something to this motion because if it was that, while I really want funding for youth, I think the whole point behind this is wildfires. So I would say the money <laughs> should go to wildfire relief. So I think we should keep it without stipulating what it would go to now. Otherwise, people might vote no on the ordinance. Um, so that's why I just wanted to say I don't think it should be one thing or another at this pump at this point. Vice Mayor Roberts. 
Yeah, it's kind of a follow-up with Councilmember Stockton. Uh, I believe we've read it somewhere in the staff report, but there's, there's also a cost recovery aspect for response for this ordinance, correct? Thank you. Councilmember Sullivan, I don't want to leave you out. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to make a motion to state if you want. Uh, I actually, I'm going to make a quick comment. Oh, I, no, um, go ahead, sorry. Uh, this has been a constant problem in the city of Vacaville since I was a kid, you know, when Vacaville burned many times and uh, we didn't know exactly what to do. And I know that we've put tons of resources. And uh, when the chief came on, um, I forget the tagline, but it's, it's uh, the tagline, uh, you know, go, go ahead, give it to me. Evil lurks with fireworks. That's right. So, uh, you know, we have we have over 100,000 people living in the city of Vacaville, and, and every year, you know, it's still illegal. Every year we're chasing all night long, and there's people calling in, and I would love something that, you know, would work, and, you know, I'd probably vote yes, you know, to see if this will work. But now I feel like there's going to be two more things that are going to come with this. You're going to get a lot of residents that expect everyone to be everywhere because my, my neighbor is doing it, which if you ever look up at night on 4th of July or New Year's or any other time people want to celebrate, there's thousands of fireworks and there's no way we're going to chase them all. So first of all, uh, they're going to come back to us and say we failed because we're not going to be able to get them all. Second of all, it could be gotcha from neighbors trying to you know get their whatever neighbor that they have a hard time with. Um, you know, and then there's all that uh, rolling downhill where people start to now press out from their residence so they don't get caught at their residence. Uh, and they might move into areas that could now possibly burn. And I, I hate to say all these things, but I just, I feel like it's going to become a, a, a bigger uh, problem uh, for our staff. And our staff's going to be running around and we're going to get probably our dispatchers I can't remember, and I would love if a dispatcher was here, but the dispatch calls go insane. And I completely understand people have pets and people, uh, you know, they're trying to sleep and these things are going off at midnight and we have some crazy, insane, illegal fireworks going off that puts everybody in danger. But I don't know if this is the, the catch-all. You know, I, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I just feel sorry for staff because I think this is going to be a double-edged sword where people are going to expect, now that we've put this fine in there, people are going to expect you to stop fireworks, and there's going to be thousands of people that light up fireworks that night, and nothing's going to happen. So I'll just leave it at that. I'll entertain motion. Okay, roll call. Is Michelle's mic on? Yeah, you're on. Councilmember Sullivan? Yes. Councilmember Stockton? Councilmember Ritchie? Yes. Councilmember Silva? Yes. Mayor Rollette? Yes. Okay. Item 9A. Excuse me, we need to read the title. Oh, please, thank you. Ordinance. I'm new at this. <laughs> <laughs> Ordinance adding Chapter 9.62 to Title 9 of the Vacaville Municipal Code to regulate fireworks. <clears throat> within city limits. That was it? That's, oh, it. that's fantastic.
9A, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of the City Council. <coughs> this next item before you is an update on the status of our downtown vacaville business improvement district. We have Don Burris, our Economic Development Services Director, and Tim Patton, our Economic Development Manager, to make a presentation for you tonight. Thank you, Mr. City Manager. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor, and members of City Council. Uh, this evening, staff would like to present a quick update on the status of the downtown Vacaville Business Improvement District. The four uh, discussion items that we'll be focusing on tonight include a status update of the bid, the management agreement development, recruitment of a new executive director for the DVBID, and advance of assessment fees. Excuse me, Tim. The presentation isn't connecting. Uh, so tonight's action for consideration is to receive the update and direct staff to assist the downtown Vacaville Business Improvement District with the development of a management agreement that supports the city's initiatives to improve the downtown, approve funding to engage an executive recruitment firm for the recruitment of a new executive director and provide an advance of assessment fees. The current status of the DVBID and new opportunities. So the current status includes the, uh, the management agreement currently has expired, expired back in February. So the bid is currently operating without an active management agreement. We still understand what you're saying. You <laughs> right, that's good to hear. <laughs> All right, slide, I think we're on slide four if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, current opportunities and new opportunities for the bid. So the bid is operating without, an ex, uh, without a management agreement uh, currently. Uh, the executive director of the DVBID resigned in early March, and there's been a suspension of collection of the assessment fees. Uh, currently the bid, um, or I'm sorry, as a result of the recent changes, the DVBID has not come before the city council for their annual renewal. Currently the organization is operating without the executive management agreement as stated as the previous management agreement expired on February 21st, 2022. A letter was sent from the finance department on March 21st, informing downtown merchants that the assessment fees have been suspended until the city council adopts a resolution to levy the assessment of fees. Until the res this resolution is adopted, the city uh, is prohibited from collecting the assessment of fees. The city council has also not directed the city manager to execute the 2022 management agreement which authorizes the payments of, of the fee-for-service arrangement. There are new opportunities that now await the DVBID. Since the adoption of the new city council strategic plan, the development of the new downtown specific plan, and the COVID economic recovery strategy have been completed. Economic development staff has been meeting with the DVBID advisory board to discuss the organization's role in assisting the city in the implementation of these three strategies and creating a stronger alignment. Additionally, the hiring of an executive director with experience in the Main Street America approach to downtown uh, revitalization is essential. <coughs> As a result of the city being prohibited from collecting the bid assessments at this time, the DVBID does not have the funding to meet its current financial obligations, including the cost of the recruitment of, an ex of a new executive director. DVBID is requesting an advance of assessment funds for the following three activities. First, $15,000 to engage a farmer's market manager 
to run the downtown Vacaville Farmer's Market for the 2022 season. The Farmer's Market runs typically May 14th through October 15th. Uh, the second cost that we're asking for this evening is a $25,000 uh, payment for operational costs. This is essentially rent, utilities, payroll for the DVBID. The request of funds is to stabilize the organization until the bid renewal process occurs. This is not a loan, but rather an advancement of funds until the management agreement is finalized and approved by the city council. And we anticipate coming back to council in late May. To support the recruitment of a new executive director, uh, DVBID is requesting the city be responsible for the cost of the recruitment in the amount of $25,000. These funds will be used to hire a professional consultant to perform a national search for a qualified Main Street America candidate. Unlike the other two items, this request is not in advance. The city is making the request to the council to fund for the recruitment of a new executive director for the bid. Uh, next steps. So if council approves staff's recommendation, uh, first uh, staff will complete the development of a management agreement that aligns with city strategic plans to improve the downtown. Staff anticipates returning to, to council in May with a new management agreement and other necessary documents uh, required to execute the bids renewal. Second, uh, to prepare the recruitment um, for an executive director, staff has identified uh, two firms. Uh, one is the National Main Street Center and another company called Searchwide Global to assist with the recruitment of an executive director that has experience with the Main Street America approach. And third, staff will work with uh, the finance department to prepare an advance payment of assessment fees to the bid. Every community with a commercial district is different with its own distinct assets and sense of place. The Main Street America approach offers community-based revitalization initiatives with a practical adaptable framework for downtown transfer, transformation that is easily tailored to local conditions. The Main Street America approach helps communities get started with revitalization and grows them over time. Downtown management professionals that follow the Main Street approach have proven to be successful in their downtown revitalization efforts as seen in cities such as Livermore, Pleasanton, and Roseville. So our recommendation for this evening is, is by simple motion, direct staff to assist downtown Vacaville Business Improvement District with the development of a management agreement that supports the city's initiatives to improve the downtown, approve funding to engage an executive recruitment firm for the recruitment of a new executive director and provide an advance of assessment fees. This concludes staff's update. At this time, we welcome any comments and questions from the city council. Her city council meeting with a full request for the DVBID annual district plan and. I'll open up public comment. <clears throat> I'm Dean Roberts, uh, president of downtown Vacaville Business Improvement District, uh, mayor and councilman. I just wanted to thank you for uh, the relationship that we've had these last few years has been really great and the support has been uh, amazing. And uh, through all the different ups and downs that we've been experiencing, uh, it's really uh, been, I've felt uh, a positive uh, impact from the community. We're, uh, the last few meetings that we've had, we've had more participation we've had in quite a while. It was a big bonus to have the city manager uh, chime in with us. That was a, a great benefit. And so um, looking forward to helping with the implementation of the new uh, downtown specific plan. I think it's gonna be great. And we look forward to continue to partner with the city of Ackville. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments from the public? 
seeing none, I'll bring it back to the council for comment. I see council member Stockton, go ahead, sir. recruitment and hiring of this new executive director that's going to implement this plan. Be kind of a subset of the advisory committee and that will include uh, members of the business community within the bid and we anticipate having a city representative and a couple of uh, at large members if you will outside of the bid and perhaps um, somebody that's already in the uh, business improvement district uh, community from maybe an existing city but outside of Vacaville. Council Member Wiley. Uh, thanks for the information as well. Um, if the city council approves this tonight, what would be the best case and kind of the worst case scenario for finding it, having a new executive director for the bid down in place? Thank you, Council Member Wiley. We expect that the firms that we've been talking to actually do nationwide recruitments. Uh, these are not just local firms or even California firms. So. These, these companies and these recruitment firms have a great track record in, in attracting great talent to their, to their uh, bids. Um, uh, so we are very optimistic that we'll have a good candidate or a great pool of candidates that will come out of this recruitment effort based on the qualifications of the recruitment firms that we've been talking to. And time frame? Um, I don't, we don't wanna put a time frame on this per, per se yet, just yet, but it'll be probably a, a, a several month process. All right, thanks. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Um, a couple of things I, I noticed in here. So with the current bid fees, they don't have enough, I guess, money to go through the, all the way through the budget process, process cut kind of short. You said you're unable to collect the fees at this time? That's correct. Legally, we cannot collect uh, the fees with an expired management agreement. Okay. Um, yeah, with the uh, kind of other side of Council Member Stockton's question is, uh, what control would the city have over the hiring of the executive director with, if we're flipping the bill for uh, this? So we don't spend the money and then it get turned down by something else. Vice Mayor Roberts and Council, I, I did want to clear up Tim's last statement. It's not that the management agreement is expired, it's the resolution that you all uh, um, uh, adopt that's expired. That's what's preventing us from being able to collect the assessment. But the city certainly would have a role uh, as, as part of this uh, recruitment committee, if you will, the city would have a role in, in it could be an economic development staff person um, that could be on that committee. So the city would definitely have a say on who, who the next executive director would be. Okay, thank you. Council Member Sullivan. Uh, no comments, thank you, Mayor. Okay, so I do have a comment. And I first, I wanna start off by uh, thanking Brooke Fox uh, for the work that she did. Her and her staff did a fantastic job uh, running the DVBID. I can't even remember how many years, five years went by so fast. I lose track of time because two years we were underground. So um, how much, uh, and I'm gonna direct it to both you and if we don't, I'm sure somebody will have this. How much did we give the DVBID the first installment uh, in the first meeting? Because we've had two meetings within the last, I would say, six months, and again, time slides by, but how much did we give the DVBID the first meeting? 
last June 8th, I think it was at uh, City Council, we allocated $75,000 of, of idle funds. Okay, so yeah. you gave me 75,000 and we were under pandemic and that's what we were trying to make sure uh, that they were viable. And then we came back, we gave another chunk of money. Mary, I think what you're thinking is uh, when they came for their um, initial renewal, right? Um, it was uh, fifty-five thousand, but uh, actually, what we had said was it would be a range from fifty-five to sixty-five. So we approved the fifty-five. They came back uh, several months later and asked for the additional. The additional. 10. Okay. Right. I do remember doing it twice. Yeah. I remember the council very adamant about giving them more money. And so it was a $75,000 altogether. Okay, well that clarifies a little bit. Um, first of all, I deeply care about the DVBID. Uh, I think it's been phenomenal. Uh, Bob Bulmer did a fantastic job. Brooke Fox, fantastic job. Um, and, and I want to make sure it's viable. Uh, my, um, I guess my comment tonight is I really want the city of Vacaville to take a step back and let these folks run it. Uh, this is business ran, this is business money from downtown. Um, it, it always makes me nervous when we start sticking our hand in everything uh, because it, it really shouldn't, just like we do everything else, like with the visit Vacaville, we bring it every year, they give us a, an idea of what's going on, they tell us what's gonna happen the next year, um, and then we decide whether we're gonna help them with some money. Um, I know that we've talked about bringing down the amount of money that we give the DVUID because we want them to be self-sufficient um, and it's ramped up and there's things involved in the reason why we ramped it up. Um, but I really don't want it to become another department of the city of Vacaville. Uh, business folks down there are incredible and uh, they call all the time and they have a lot of passion. I wanna give them the, the correct person to take that on and, and keep running forward. But I really want the city of Vacaville, and you know, I don't know how much we can push on this, just really take the back seat and let them drive the bus. They have uh, multiple boards, I think an executive board, then the regular board, I might, I might be wrong on that, but really let them run it because you know, ultimately it's our downtown, which we all love. I know everyone up here loves our downtown, but I really want them to take that role uh, and run it like they should be running it. And then we can, you know, obviously guide it, and then when they come to us, we can decide how much more money we're gonna give them each year. But I, I really would urge us just to take, take a back seat, let them run it, because I, I think they do a fantastic job. I know the business owners are very invested down there, and ultimately it's their money they're pumping into this. So um, that, that would be my only comment. And uh, I, I do hope we find someone viable and someone that gets this thing running like it should, and uh, I'm excited. Um, and hopefully it works out for us. So with that, I'll entertain motion. So motion approved. Okay. I'll second. Roll call vote, please. Yes. Council Member Sullivan. Can you, can you restate the motion, please? I couldn't hear it on the mic. It's just move approval. Oh, yeah, as recommended by staff. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. Thank you, Mayor. Council Member Stockton? Yes. Council Member Ritchie? Yes. Council Member Silva? Yes. Council Member Wiley? Yes. Mayor Rollette? Yes. Okay. We will move to, and thank you.
gentlemen. I know that you've done a lot of work. I appreciate it. Um, 9B, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. This next item is another update regarding our biotechnology initiative and initiation of phase three of the biotechnology uh, strategy and initiatives. With that, I'll turn it over to Don Burris once again from our Economic Development Services Department, as well as our consultant, Matt Gardner. Good evening, Mayor Roulette, Vice Mayor Roberts, members of the City Council. Um, it's with great pleasure this evening that we present this uh, biotechnology initiative update and uh, an initiation of, of phase three. Um, this evening, staff will provide you with an update on the Economic Development Department's um, implementation of the biotechnology initiative, which is at its core uh, an investment attraction strategy to attract more biomanufacturers to the city of Vacaville. Uh, this update will also include uh, the progress made to implement uh, phase three of the strategy. Joining me this evening is Matt Gardner, uh, chairman of the California Biomanufacturing Center. Um, for our discussion topics um, in this evening update, I, I will briefly cover the background of the strategy, which was developed in three phases, uh, the status of those phases, um, share with you some of the early successes we've had in implementing the strategy, and discuss the implementation of phase three. Uh, at the conclusion of, of my presentation, um, uh, California Biomanufacturing Center um, Chairman Matt Gardner will also give you an update on the status of, that, of the nonprofit since, since its inception of October 2020. Um, so the background. Um, so in order for any economic development professional to make an impact on the local economy, it's important to know what are the um, economic drivers working in the community. Um, so staff um, at the time with the assistance of Assistant City Manager Aaron Bush um, connected with Dr. Robert Eiler, uh, one of the foremost uh, economists here in, in the region, to really get an idea of what are the economic indicators that drive our economy. Uh, after working with Dr. Eiler, uh, we learned that actually biotechnology and advanced manufacturing were two of the economic drivers of our economy with the highest industry growth and also the potential to create uh, high value jobs. So to that end, on June 25th, 2019, the City Council authorized development of the Biotechnology and Advanced Manufacturing Initiative. Um, we then brought on Matt Gardner, at the time Principal of Innovation Counselors. Um, uh, Matt uh, also helped with us, excuse me, Matt led the effort with us to develop the strategy. Um, we had several focus groups with industry, industry professionals, uh, stakeholders, education partners to help develop the strategy. Uh, the, the completion of the strategy gave us a, a three-part initiative, and uh, the kickoff was in October of 2020. Um, phase one of the strategy consisted of an in-depth analysis of the two industries, uh, and then phase two consisted of the formation of the new nonprofit organization known as the California Biomanufacturing Center. Um, this is a companion organization to the strategy, and uh, the California Biomanufacturing Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting industry development and workforce, training, and the development of an ecosystem capable of establishing and supporting Vacaville as a major life science industry leader. Um, phases one and phase two of the initiative have been completed, and we are now working on phase three. Uh, phase three is the final phase of the strategy, um, and as I stated earlier, 
Um, it really is all about our attraction efforts now, getting out there, um, putting our, telling our story, uh, getting in front of every company that potentially has expansion opportunities or relocation opportunities. Um, we're currently uh, initiating this phase and it's all about investment attraction. Um, phase three is very aggressive uh, in our outreach program. Uh, really, we're trying to present Vacaville uh, to all the industry executives as a prime location to locate or expand their facilities. The next three months will be, be very busy for staff as we'll be attending the um, American Biomanufacturing Summit uh, just actually tomorrow. Uh, then in the month of uh, May, we'll be uh, attending the San Francisco uh, Business Times Biotech Forum. And then in the month of June, we'll be attending uh, the Biointernational Conference. Um, to continue to help us with our efforts, uh, we've engaged um, the CBC, our California Biomanufacturing Center, Matt and his staff, to help with lead generation. That's because the CBC actually has access to numerous biotechnology companies that are working with them to, um, to acquire and use some of the services that his nonprofit organization is providing. So to do this work, um, the council approved a budget augmentation of $116,697 of measure M funding at the February 22nd council meeting. And I'd like to thank the council uh, for approving those funds so that we continue to do this good work. So some of our early successes, um, uh, we've had uh, a Genis Bio um, who acquired 120 acres in the Vaca Valley Business Park. Shortly after, we had Polaris Pharmaceuticals, one of our local companies, actually acquire 15 acres from Agenis to build uh, their biomanufacturing facility. And um, as of two months ago, um, Mayor Roulette, myself, and City Manager Aaron Bush met with a Texas, excuse me, a Texas biotech developer um, who is actually in contract now to purchase the remaining 22 acres. Uh, their, their intention too is to build um, a biomanufacturing facility. So what's left in the Vaca Valley Business Park is only 40 acres left uh, uh, for us to attract more biotech companies within the Vaca Valley Business Park. Um, so I crunched some, a few numbers today just to give you all an idea of what that impact is. Um, being respectful of the companies that we're working with and not uh, very specifically sharing any of their sensitive information. Uh, overall, we're looking at a $363 million investment in just facilities alone. The total economic impact to the community would be over $500 million. So this is why the strategy is so important. We know that we actually can make an economic improvement in, within our community. Um, so more to come. Um, uh, on the immediate horizon, staff is working with three additional biotech companies. Um, we're facilitating right now the expansion and relocation of a um, instrumentation company. Uh, and hopefully we're going to hear in the next two weeks, if they're pulling the trigger, they're looking to purchase a 97,000 square foot building uh, in our interchange business park. Um, they're pretty much at the corner of uh, Midway Road and Eubanks. Um, so everyone, that, that will be a big win for us as well. Um, we're in due diligence stages now with the medical device company that is headquartered in uh, Atlanta, Georgia with facilities in uh, Sarasota, excuse me, Tampa, Florida. Um, they're looking to also build their manufacturing facility here in Vacaville. So we're in conversations with them as well. And uh, then lastly, but certainly not least, we have a group of um, technicians uh, from the Central Bay area 
that are looking to lease space and actually create a biotechnology innovation center um, where um, company, excuse me, well, kind of companies, um, usually the process for this type of innovation, uh, say for example, students are in the PhD program at UC Davis. Uh, they've been working on some drug discovery and now they're ready to take their product to the next level. That next level will not happen on campus. So normally they look to get to an innovation center where they can lease lab space and continue to do that commercialization. That's what this new facility would be um, in Vacaville. So as the slide says, there is more to come. With that, um, we're now open for questions and comments. Mr. Burris, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> um, I, I spoke briefly, well, maybe not so briefly, I don't ever speak briefly, but at the state of the state, or the state of the city, excuse me. And, um, and I'll repeat some of that stuff tonight, but I'm gonna let my council members jump in first. And we have uh, council member Silva. Uh, thanks for the presentation. Thanks for the long-awaited update. Um, so, uh, you know, all, all good news. You know, uh, you know, of course, I think you know we're all aware of you know how things uh, work out in the business sector. It's not done till it's, till it's done. Um, that said, you know, the it's looking very promising, very excited. Uh, know a lot of you know just to put it in perspective. You know, this particular field allowed me and my family to to put food on the table and not have to worry about where that check was coming from next month. So the first time you know, in our lives, uh, it's not just, you know, that impacts our family, but uh, to many other families that particularly have come through um, any biotech uh, program, uh, particularly um, the one that uh, Professor DeClo uh, first started 25 years ago um, in January of, of, uh, of this year. So, uh, through Solano Community College. So, um, one concern that I have is, um, and just for staff to think about, is, you know, we're, you know, uh, we have this, you know, really fine focused area. And so uh, not to be greedy, but to be greedy. Um, how do we, you know, how do we adapt? So if there's a higher demand for that to relocate here for the for the qualified workforce, because we're talking about states that uh, have uh, have been often um, very widely championed as, oh, everybody's leaving to X and Y state, I'm not gonna say. Um, but here it looks like in certain cases, um, you know, it's, it's always been the workforce and uh, particularly the Bay Area region that has driven uh, this particular sector um, to be uh, to where a lot of times us here locals don't realize uh, how big uh, biotech is in the Bay Area, and uh, as many as may as we may not consider ourselves culturally a part of the Bay Area, uh, Vacaville is a part of Solano County is a part of the Bay Area uh, economy, and quite a, and um, you know the data suggests that as well. We're you know 80 80 percent of our current residents are uh, working out of town. So I think bringing these good jobs here are really important, making sure that we, as this, as land, um, looking at ways as it, it expands and there's a higher interest in uh, businesses relocating, maybe redeveloping, developing, uh, how do we look at um, zoning uh, as we expand out uh, in that region, uh, I think is something we should definitely keep on our, our forefront. Thanks. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yeah, thank you for, uh, yeah, thank you for finally getting the update. No, it's been a, Kind of throwing you guys aside about bringing this since i'm a big supporter of biotech and i've been tracking it for a while um yeah the economic impact to this area would be huge um just not what they're doing but the secondary and tertiary effects of having all these jobs and well-paying jobs coming into the area 
And with biotech, this is still kind of in its infancy. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be changing coming up in the near future, which is definitely put Vacaville on the map and help improve the, the economy and the, the city itself with the additional revenue coming in to improve all aspects of it. So yeah, I'm uh, really excited and looking forward to see what's coming up with this. Thank you. Council Member Ritchie. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very excited. I share both uh, Silva and, and the mayor's uh, enthusiasm um, in regards to this. Um, <clears throat> I kind of briefly talked about just how awesome biotech is in kind of conjunction with um, the housing element. Then I, I spoke at uh, a government affairs committee for the, the social realtors. Um, and it, it's, it all, it's, it's all conducive comes together. Uh, the effort you guys are doing in the city is awesome because um, I actually referenced, I think maybe two meetings ago, that we, we need more Mike Silvas. Um, we need more people that are from the community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 it that scares Mike Silva. It, it comes into, I mean, I mean, I don't know the literal sense, but I think it's a good guy. But um, it's, we need people from Vacaville that have the opportunity to be born and raised in Vacaville, come from the community, see an opportunity to get into a, a awesome job and have upper mobility and then come back and still reinvest back in the community. I, it, it's, I think it's exactly what we need. So I was trying to kind of really, really tie that into the housing element and the general plan of the city. How important it is that, you know, we bring um, some awesome employers. Like there's an article, uh, I read the Wall Street Journal a lot, and they were talking about the new Titans in the world. I had like a picture. Um, the, first, the first stage of Titans we had in technology were media. They, they provide a fun and as we connected. Now they're talking about the rise of the, the new Titans. Um, it is now biotech. You know, the first Titans made it fun. The second Titans are America keeps alive. And so it's, it was kind of ominous how the rise of the new Titans of biotech. And we're in the cusp of having Vacaville be the tip of the spear that's gonna bring the, the rise of the new Titans, hopefully good ones, um, to the community and these jobs. I mean, four major, four major companies are bringing multiple feeder companies. And I just really think like we work together our housing element, the focus and goal of the city is to bring awesome employment opportunities, to bring in tandem ways to educate the community. We harvest as many people from Vacaville to have upper mobility, to go from being a dishwasher, a cook, to now get training and education, now be in the community and get these jobs in the community. Go from, we can provide awesome housing, affordable housing, from low income rent to rent, to upper mobility to buy a house in the community, keep tax dollars in there. And then that's, it's a big part of the macro. And I really want, you know, as much as possible. I remember a few years ago, I read a story about how there's a contest and maybe the mayor might know, there's a contest to get the new Bay Bridge built. And they accelerated it. They, they at the speed they did, they would get a bonus by 30, 20 or 30 million to hit it a certain number. So they shipped in iron from China to speed up the process of building a bridge in the Bay Area. Just need to get like $30 million as, as, a, as, a, as a kicker. That's good, but I want to make sure that for building in Vacaville, we hire local labor, local materials, and make sure we hire and educate as many locals as possible. It would be a shame if all of a sudden we're bringing labor outside, materials outside to build all these major complexes. I mean, everything from the rock that goes in the ground to get the trucks to go over to the, the the education platforms to try to be local. I think we'll miss the boat if we don't allow the community as much as possible to really just gravitate towards this and every aspect of it 
from the labor education to the workforce to the end to make sure we educate people, hey, this is coming. You might make this product now, but my God, you have, you have two years just to understand how you can take your factory, your, your facility back to build and become a manufacturer or supply chain for this company. I, I think everyone should not never have a chance to miss a boat, to have our community really just um, take this and kind of run on the bolder horns. Great, thank you very much, Councilmember Stockton. Thank you. I uh, cannot applaud these gentlemen enough. Staff that have worked on this. We may not be the Bay Area, we may not be Silicon Valley, but I think we're well on our way to becoming the Biocon Valley of America. And that's thanks to your hard work, both of you, um, the staff that had the vision in the future, the people that were sitting up here in the, in, in the past that have had the, the vision to get us here. And, and I can't thank you enough, not just as a council member, but as a father of a son, that I want to live here in Vacaville that'll have an opportunity that people will come across the country and across the world to get here in Vacaville. Um, $500 million economic impact is enormous. And so um, I, I'm, I'm all in with, with what you're doing. I, I can't thank you enough. Vacaville thanks you uh, and the future, the kids, um, the future Mike Silva's or the future uh, um, uh, people that are gonna sit up here are gonna look back at this pivotal moment in time in the city of Vacaville and go, wow, we did something absolutely revolutionary or amazing here for the future of our children. And so I, I just applaud you both and, and thank you for the hard work that you're doing. And so I, I look forward to being Biocon Valley. Councilmember, will you share with everybody what we're going to rename Vacaville, Vaca Valley Parkway? I would love to rename <laughs> Vaca Valley Parkway from the freeway to 505. Uh, the uh, Biocon Valley Parkway, but so far um, haven't gotten any traction on that uh, with Aaron. But uh, no, but I am just very excited, very excited about this opportunity and and to see some really big name companies that are investing in Vacaville in our future. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Councilmember Wiley. Uh, thank you for the presentation, and it is good news to hear all these things that are coming. And I think a big part of it is having the Solano College here and our training program and having a place for the students to go. So it's really all fits together. Um, and as we're talking about bringing new jobs and opening up the area to biotech, I want people to just keep an open mind. I think most of the people think biotech male, you know, here's the guy leading it. We just need to open those doors to all the women too, because women can be good in biotech and biology and all the other things as well. So I just want it open to all people, um, not just the guys out there, because there's a lot of girls, as women as well, that are very um, successful. And also, um, it's just good jobs. We've talked a lot about good jobs, but with those jobs come benefits, because that's the real important thing, is to have jobs and benefits and then you can get your housing and, <clears throat> and have your family work here as well. And from District 6, where a lot of people drive out to the Bay Area, I would rather have them drive north to Bitcon uh, Valley or whatever you said. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, Councilmember Sullivan. I don't have much to add. I mean, I think all of my peers uh, said it very well. Mayor, you said it very well. I think big kudos to staff. Um, this is this is a big, big opportunity for Vacaville. I think the thing I would say really quickly to Don and Aaron and Tim is, you know, if a first huge thank you. You guys have executed big time, done a ton of work. I know council um, at times can be.
challenging on this topic, and we're very eager to get it going. So thank you for all the hard work. Big thank you to Jim DeClo. Uh, big thank you to Matt Gardner, and uh, and even our our, our peer Mike Silva. Um, just your guys' push for this has been great. I think the the reminder for for Don and Aaron and Tim is if you guys need resources, ask for it. I know you know sometimes Don is um, is modest, but don't be modest when it comes to this. And you can hear the excitement from all of council. We're all in. So if there's other things we can invest in, if there's other things we can streamline. If you have other ideas, you know, I know just a very short period of time, we didn't have any Don's or Tim's. And so, you know, the, the council has really kind of put some resources behind this. But if there's more, I think you're hearing the excitement from all of us tonight. You know, just ask for it. So just great job, team. And uh, I think all the comments from my council peers were spot on and, and ditto. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have another comment? Okay, go ahead. Council Member Silva. Uh, just real quick, um, just for maybe just to share uh, part of the story, uh, absolutely, it's it's about you know these efforts on how do we get good quality jobs here, you know, even I, I focus on that. Uh, this is absolutely an opportunity uh, for a newer industry to kind of break those barriers uh, with those inequities where you have uh, more, much significantly, much more diversity in this field than than others. Um, but I don't want to lose track of also why this uh, field tends to be. Um, so rewarding and it's not just through the employment, it's also through the health disparities that it helps address. And some of the products that they're putting out are literally uh, life-saving. Uh, Biomarin is a company that a lot of local uh, folks work at, um, that uh, it's out Marin, and they focus purely on uh, what they call orphan drugs or orphan diseases. And so they, uh, what that means is it's such a small population of kids that have some type of genetic disorder uh, where they just happen to inherit um, these genes that now uh, they produce a product, a particular protein that supplements what their bodies don't naturally make. And that helps uh, ideally, you know, they, um, they help, it helps address the, those particular uh, gaps within their health. So, so it's not just about, it absolutely is about uh, providing jobs, it's about providing jobs that it, in a career that actually makes a difference and uh, truly can be life-saving in many, many uh, different folks' uh, age groups. So just want to bring that. And I can't wait to when we can start putting the staff that made in Vacaville on everything. So awesome. thank you. So um, although this was just informational, I'm not going to let this opportunity go. So um, two years ago, maybe a little bit more, uh, we brought Aaron on as our city manager. Um, Don was with us. He disappeared. He thought he found greener grass somewhere else. I kept in contact with him. I begged him to come back to Vacaville. I begged Aaron, give him a chance to come back to Vacaville. Um, when they did, they approached me. And this is, this is in the disaster pandemic that we were doing this. And they said, hey, Mayor, we got this great idea. This is our vision. Uh, we want to do this biotech, but we're going to need money. And at that time, we're bleeding money. And we don't know what the end was going to be. Uh, we had to take a leap of faith. And I, and I looked Aaron in his face and I said, you better land me a whale within one year. And he's like, I'm going to do that for you. And, and Don, you know, I praise you all the time, but I'm going to praise you here in public. Amazing, amazing. This team is amazing. I thank you for your vision. I thank you for jumping on with us, Matt. Um, I'm excited. I got goosebumps even talking about this. I said this at the State of the City. This is going to change Vacaville. You know, uh, as I was growing up as a kid, Vacaville was the outlets. Vacaville was nut-free. We are going to change Vacaville, and for the better. 
for the better. I grew up here. We're only getting better. And uh, this is going to bring careers to Vacaville. And when I ran back in 08, all I said was I want to pull people off the freeway, keep them here, and bring careers to Vacaville. And we're, and we're coming up with that promise. And, and I appreciate everything you guys do. You guys don't get enough praise for everything you're doing because within that year, not only did you bring me one whale, you brought me multiple wells, and I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be great for Vacaville. I really want to see movement. You know, we've got them. Now let's build, because um, I think this is going to be great things for do great things for Vacaville, and I'm just so excited. And I wanted to share that little bit of story. So thanks for bearing with me. And with that, we will move on to item 9C. Mr. Mayor, I I'm sorry. You need to open it up for public comment. Did I? Did I not? No, I, I did. I don't believe. No, so. I did. Yeah, I opened it up right after the, uh, right after they, I always go to public comment. Did I not? <laughs> I think you were excited. Okay, <laughs> rewind. Okay, I'll open up public comment. I, uh, Matt, did you want to say something? Oh, well, <laughs> let's start over. Thank you all. Thank you, thank you so much for um, uh, for the comments and and for the support. Uh, I, I truly appreciate it. I, I love our community and I love the work that we do. And wouldn't be able to do it without great leadership and a great city manager. So thank you. Um, that concludes my presentation. Um, and now we will turn it over to Matt Gardner, uh, chairman of the California Biomanufacturing Center. And Matt will actually give you an update on uh, the status of the nonprofit. Great job, everyone. It sounds like we're done. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, Mr. Vice Mayor, members of the council, and to my friends in the city staff, uh, I'm really grateful uh, for the chance to be here with you this evening and to share this update on the things CBC is doing. And I'm gonna actually um, wrap into this some trends that we're seeing in the industry around the world right now because I think the context is important. And as context, I would just remind you, the Wright brothers' flight was in 1903. Think about how far we've come. This is the beginning of the biotechnology century. We're at the beginning. This isn't an end. And so when I present to you some trend data that we see happening in the industry right now, I would just remind you, it isn't enough what we've attracted. There will be many more opportunities. And so the first 500 acres we started with is equally just the beginning. And so I'll, I'll highlight a few things. Uh, what we're seeing uh, around the world is the first couple of bits I'll touch on and I'll bring into that very specifically things that are happening in biomanufacturing worldwide. Um, next one. So the, the biggest uh, thing I would point to, I think, that's, um, that's striking to everyone in the industry uh, everywhere right now is that um, during the pandemic, uh, things didn't turn down at all for the biotech industry. In fact, they turned up to a degree that no one in the industry has ever seen before. So I would say in general, the business cycle in biotech is not obedient to the general business cycle. In fact, it's a little bit anti-cyclical or counter-cyclical because when software gets hot, it pulls venture money out of other sectors, for example. And so it's easier to invest in software. Lots of investors will flock to that. When the economy's good and when the IPO windows are open, biotech may actually suffer when software is hot. At other times, such as a pandemic, the world turns to science for answers. And so what we saw was a quantum leap above anything we'd ever seen before and the amount of capital pushed onto the table to find answers. We've never seen anything like this before. 
worldwide venture capital, that's okay, uh, of $80 billion. And 366 IPOs at $60 billion. Records that no one's ever seen before. Now, as an example of what's kind of hinting at what's coming, there's more money pent up in applied development at large pharma partners than we've seen in a generation. So the last time we saw a wave like this was when the, uh, the Bush administration, I think, allowed repatriation of offshore dollars, so to come back to the US, but they had conditions, they had to be spent on R&D. So what we saw after that in about 2006, 2007, was a massive spike in pharma acquisitions of biotech and new partnering programs of drugs. This is far greater than that in, in terms of the amount of resource that's being pushed onto the table. At the same time, as, there's a, as you have heard from us before, tremendous pressure to reshore the production and the, the supply chain of the industry. So those are fantastic opportunities. I would say to, to Don's stats on, um, on how we've filled the, the sort of the parcel map, one more slot isn't going to do it. And I'll talk a little bit more in detail in a few minutes about what, what we'll see. Sure, so um, the industry has a, a, a process, generally speaking, for the sort of the drug part of the industry that we think of every day uh, for, for its development curve. And so when a drug enters phase one of clinical trials, it's being tested for uh, safety and then in it'll advance if it passes those tests to phase two where it's beginning to be tested for uh, efficacy and different levels of dosing, phase three and sort of larger studies in, in, uh, in humans to make sure that uh, everything works as suggested. The industry's full of failures. We've all seen that happen in, in products and development, but the successes are glorious. In fact, uh, the sort of applied D part of that is the later stage investment in finishing a product and bring it to market. Um, I'm not from Vacaville, I didn't grow up here, but biotech brought me here. And I would tell you that the whole world is aware of what biotechnology is doing here because of our friends down the road who've been making biotech products here uh, for decades. So it's interesting that you established this position in the 90s that has garnered a reputation around the world because it still holds true today. I had a call from Boston this morning from someone who's never been here who asked me about CBC. It still happens now. So it is, it is an amazing process. Uh, on the biomanufacturing part of the value chain of the industry, the contract manufacturing organizations that sometimes do this for companies who decide they don't wanna build their own manufacturing, so they'll outsource it. So those outsource providers, contract manufacturers, are full through the year. Right now, if you were looking for a source to do this for you, you'd have to be planning for 2023. All of the capacity for the industry is basically full right now. Uh, there's another part of the industry that we don't talk about as much. It just doesn't quite make as many headlines, but it's similarly experiencing a production bottleneck, and that's sort of the industrial enzymes business. I won't, I'm not gonna quiz you on microbial production today. Maybe we could talk about that at another session. That sounds fun. I'd be super excited for that. Uh, but that, the capacity in that part of the industry is also uh, full, and so um, it's experiencing similar bottlenecks. It's a little bit lower sort of regulatory regime, so it's a little easier to do, but it requires the same skill base, which is why some of it looks to places like here 
and the training programs at Solano College and the graduates from UC Davis to locate in an area where the skill base exists. So there will be tremendous opportunities there. Uh, the, uh, the third trend I would point to is that the, uh, the types of products being advanced into later stage development are actually changing in and of themselves. The whole area of cell and gene therapy is relatively young. From a decade ago when there were zero cell and gene therapy products, we've got about 400 in later stage trials now. And so there hasn't been any place to make those until zero places worldwide to make those until the last few years. So we've seen companies like Bayer scrape their site in Berkeley and redevelop the entire site for cell and gene therapy production uh, to the tune of, I think what is published in the funny papers is about a $2 billion capital plan to redo that campus. Uh, so there's a tremendous amount of resource being put into cell engine therapies as well. Great point, Don. So I, I, as we see these trends changing in the way that the industry is making its products, just again, a credit to Jim DeClos for the creation of a cell and gene therapy certification program at Solano College. He has repeatedly stayed ahead, I think, of sort of the waves of production that the industry is contemplating and, and then embarking on. Uh, in the last, I think, uh, 18 months, we've seen more than $6 billion in new manufacturing plants in the U.S. And so I think our job, our task with uh, CBC and to, to work with Don in close partnership is to make sure that we're catching more than our fair share of that here. Uh, the opportunities will continue to come. I think the training aspects of what we're talking about are, are acknowledged. I think the leadership programs that, uh, that you've heard about often are still true. In fact, I would just point Councilmember Wiley to um, a comment made by Sue Desmond Hellman, the former president of Genentech and later the CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who spoke at a White House meeting in November. And if you haven't seen this, I'll, I'll be happy to send it around to the full council. She specifically highlighted the program at Solano College in a White House meeting. And so it's great to see that kind of leadership and acknowledgement from at the highest levels uh, from uh, a White House table on a day like that. Uh, fantastic opportunity to continue to build upon that. And I think UC Davis has similarly played a role for us in, in partnership. The industry right now is at full employment. It's basically 2% unemployment, which is structurally zero. Uh, there aren't you know, tens of thousands of new graduates to find anywhere. And so with $140 billion in new cash and hundreds of new products, there are no people to make them. So as I think you may have heard from the Solano College program, they get calls every week looking for 60 or 80 new graduates. They don't exist. They don't exist. We can't build these programs fast enough to produce the talent that's needed to satiate the industry demand. Uh, so I think our latest is, is basically to continue to build on uh, what we started in partnership with the, the staff and and the, the inspiration from the city's conversations a few years back. I think we have tremendous opportunities. Uh, we do have our first uh, private grant that will be announced very soon here from a, uh, a private foundation to acknowledge the, the concept that CBC was formed around here and, um, and to engage in a national conversation about those, those needs and, and to convene that conversation here as well. So we're excited about that. That's equally uh, focused on uh, the processes themselves and the workforce to support them. So we're excited about continuing to build on that. Um, if I could go just off the script for a second, the other thing I would say is uh, we love the, the branding of Vacaville this way. You've probably heard some things that we've toyed around with branding and 
plan to play with more. But just as a sort of reinforcement of how we started this conversation, I would acknowledge that we named CBC to be equally the organization and the patch of land. That it was deliberately designed to be a little bit confusing that way because that's what Research Triangle Park did in the 50s. They started an entity, a nonprofit, to administer the services for the companies who are occupants of the Research Triangle, and they named the land the Research Triangle as well. That's what we aimed to do. So it's, it has been a little bit um, uh, double entendre, but intended to begin CBC as both the area and the organization supporting the companies there. Yeah. So, so I'll jump in here for a second, because I know the council does it. We, we had not intended to make this uh, recommendation to the council until we had a few wins. Uh, so at, at a future date, we'll actually we'll come back to the council and discuss uh, renaming the Vaca Valley Business Park to the California Biomanufacturing Center. You were in the surprise. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what's the next slide? Uh, okay, so we, we are hiring a few staff to uh, especially to go along with that grant and have engaged uh, a very detailed conversation with the University of California, which is as interested in we are in building a pilot scale facility. So to support those hundreds of companies coming through that bottleneck that are in scale up. Scale up's the, the greatest need at the moment uh, around the country. Uh, we're excited about those convenings I talked about and we're starting the process of, of working on um, uh, inviting folks to come here and, and capture some of the sort of the trends of what's happening in biomanufacturing. What I'm excited about uh, sort of secondarily about that is that that's gonna lead to sort of a, an economic impact and a corporate tourism that we hoped for at the beginning, but now we can sort of start to see it. We're, we're gonna need hotel rooms, we're gonna need meeting rooms and kinds of conference spaces to capture people coming through to, to see what's going on here. So um, I'm excited about all of that and the kind of uh, image it will reinforce of Vacaville around the world. I think that's it. Fantastic, I'm gonna open it to public comment. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna close public comment. We're gonna to move to 9C. Mr. City Manager, take it away. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. So this final item before you tonight is the approval of funding allocations for the American Rescue Plan Act revenues. Our Director of Finance, Kim Massimia, is here once again to walk the City Council through this uh, funding source. Thank you, Mr. City Manager. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council. Uh, the purpose of this evening's item is to discuss the funding options of ARPA and then get council's approval on how they would like that funding allocated to the different uh, priority areas. So to start, uh, here's a timeline of the events leading up to this evening's presentation. So back in June of 2021, the city received half of its ARPA funding allocation, which was 6.3 million. And at the time, uh, staff reviewed the, the U.S. Treasury guidance on the use of ARPA funding, um, reviewed what other agencies were doing with their funding, and then also solicited input from staff, uh, the different departments uh, on eligible ARPA funding priorities, and then um, also items that would align with the city's strategic plan goals as well. These items were presented to council in October of 2021, along with um, an option on how to engage the public and get their feedback on how to spend the ARPA funding money. And 
in from November of 2021 through January 2022, as mentioned in the October council meeting, uh, uh, staff produced an online community survey, both in English and Spanish, to get community feedback from the public. The survey was loaded, preloaded with funding priorities identified by staff, and also requested from the public feedback on any items that weren't covered as well. Um, extensive public outreach was done through the months of November of 2021 through January of 2022. And also during this time um, in January, the U.S. Treasury also issued final guidance on how the ARPA funds could be used. The biggest change with the U.S. Treasury guidance was really, was really adding additional flexibility on how we can use the money. Primarily, um, every agency was allowed to take a $10 million standard allowance and revenue loss. And this is important because that is the most broad category, and with that allowance, um, agencies can use that funding for really any sort of general government purpose. In February of 2022, uh, staff brought the results of the community survey to council, presented those uh, along with three allocation options that uh, were responsive to the survey results. And of the three options that were presented, council preferred option three, but requested the item be brought back, which leads us to this evening. So this slide right here shows the different funding priorities. There are six of them, along with the recommended amounts, which is this column right here from option three. Um, under this option, um, even with the allocation proposed, it would leave $1 million in uncommitted ARPA funds for, for council to use to address any of the currently identified priorities or any of um, the unidentified priorities or new ones that either came through public comment or that council um, would like to allocate funding to. The column in the middle right here, the survey mean, was uh, based off of the survey results. This is the average, if you're using the mean average, of the amount submitted for each one of these priority um, areas and initiatives. And then um, in our February presentation, there was a request to see the average by median average as well. And so this final column right here is that medium average as well for comparison purposes. And so as a refresher for the different priority area summaries, um, this is a summary of the six priority areas that were loaded into the survey. And so under the infrastructure priority area, the initiative here is funding for sewer improvements for the downtown area specifically. Under the housing and homelessness initiative, uh, the funding initiatives here are for a local navigation center, funding for a regional center as well in Fairfield, and then um, funding being set aside for projects that promote or develop affordable housing. Under the economic recovery priority area, the initiatives here are workforce development and job training, uh, primarily targeting the youth, uh, low-income residents, and individuals who have lost their job due to the pandemic. Funding for the Chambers Entrepreneurs Expo. This is an annual expo that's held. And then also funding for the Chamber of Commerce's scholarship program. Under the direct aid to households priority area, this would cover a delinquent bill, rental and food assistance, and also eviction prevention and housing stability services. And um, under the aid to nonprofit and small business priority area, some of the highlights in this uh, priority area would be the shop local program funding for that, as well as a lodging needs assessment for Visit Vacaville. 
And the final area is the city services. And the funding here would be would go towards restoring revenue loss, pay unreimbursed pandemic expenses, and also general um, city services as well. So staff is proposing changes to two of these initiatives that were presented back in February. Uh, the first initiative is the affordable housing initiative. And these changes are um, due to the feedback that was received that evening and also due to um, an updated status of the delinquent bills, uh, the status of the bills here at the city and um, the delinquency amounts that we're seeing. So with the first initiative for affordable housing, um, as council may recall, back in February, the Allison Drive apartment project loan was approved for $3 million. And when ARPA was presented back in February, the recommendation was to take 2.2 million of the ARPA funding to fund most of this loan with the difference coming from a, a separate funding source. And while council seems to, the consensus is that uh, they're supportive of the project, there was discussion over whether there was too much ARPA funding be dedicated to the Allison Drive project. And so in response to that feedback, what, count, what staff is recommending here is, is funding that loan, not out of the ARPA funding, but out of Measure M. What this would do is it would keep the loan itself as a single source, it would be funded primarily out of Measure M as opposed to the split funding that was proposed back in February. The other change that would come with this is that in the ARPA funding, we would drop that down from 2.2 million to $1 million. And this $1 million would be in the affordable housing category to be used for future projects to be determined. The second item here is the delinquent utility bill assistance. And what's being proposed here is increasing the amount from 500,000 in ARPA funding to $1 million. And this is primarily due to the utility bill delinquency amounts that we're seeing through the month of March. We have $1.5 million. That is the current amount that's owed in utility bills for sewer and water at the end of March. And 43% of those accounts have balances owed over 90 days. We know that the state will be, um, we've applied and expect to be approved for 700 to 800,000 from the state to address these arrearages. But the increase to $1 million, this would help um, deal with that funding gap that would exist to address that 1.5 million in utility bills. So the results of these two changes of approved would actually increase our uncommitted ARPA funds. So back in February, when we had proposed option three, there was $1 million in uncommitted ARPA funds to be used uh, in the future to uh, identify any new or address any new priority areas. This would be increased to $1.7 million if those changes are approved. Um, and as stated on the slide, it could be used to further address the identified priorities or any proposed new ones. Examples would include funding for the arts, which was an item that came from the public comment um, back in February, small business assistance, preparation of community or neighborhood plans, mental health, food security, um, so on and so forth. So the next steps, uh, council action is needed on the ARPA funding priorities and budget amounts. Uh, without any council action, we cannot spend or allocate any um, further ARPA money. And while there are a number of directions that um, council and the city could go in how to allocate the ARPA funding, staff is proposing two potential options this evening for consideration. Option A would be to approve the proposed funding priorities and amounts presented at the February 22nd council meeting. The council was supportive of. Um, this option would include the proposed changes to the affordable housing initiative and delinquent utility bill um, 
changes that were discussed a little bit earlier this evening. And then while these initiatives are, are occurring, it would allow the city and council to continue to monitor the fiscal and health impacts of um, the pandemic on the community and decide and further discuss the best use of the remaining ARPA funds at a later date. Option B takes option A even further where um, council would discuss and ultimately approve the full allocation of the 12.6 million in ARPA funding um, this evening to the desired priority areas. And this slide is a, a visual representation of that. So on the left, you have, if council were to go with option A, these are the items that would fall under that on the left hand side. And so the items that have changed would be the affordable housing where I had mentioned previously, that was 2.2 million, that was for the Allison Drive project. Um, what would be proposed here is moving that to Measure M, keeping a million dollars in ARPA funding for future affordable housing programs or projects. And then for the delinquent utility bill assistance, when this was presented back in February, the amount was 500,000. Under this, it would be increasing to $1 million. Under option B, it would be approving the items here on the left, and then also making a determination on how best to allocate this 1.74 million um, on the right as well. So this includes the $1.7 million in uncommitted funds. And the two items above are a result of um, some of the comments that were received in the February meeting regarding the Chamber of Commerce scholarship program and whether or not it was um, appropriate for the city to be involved with the scholarships or if there was a better use of the funding. And then with the VAC, Visit VACO lodging needs study, um, there was a comment that although it, it was a need, it might be something that would be needed further down the road because of the impact the pandemic was having on occupancy rates currently. And that concludes the presentation. I'd be happy to take questions. Thank you very much. I'm going to open it up to public comment. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor Roulette, city council members, city manager, staff, and the public. Uh, first, I just want to thank council for the engagement you've had with the chamber over the last several months, whether that's attending our events or just reaching out to have one-on-one -on -one conversations about issues affecting our business community. I really appreciate that dialogue that we get to have. I also want to say thank you for consideration of the items from the chamber on the ARPA funding request tonight. We do have four items. Um, all of those are designed to be funding for three years of longevity for our programs. So even though ARPA funding is a one-time opportunity, we're looking at programs that can have some life to them and that maybe we can extend beyond the ARPA funding as well. Um, those programs, they're not for our whales, they're for our minnows. So I hope that still excites you. Uh, but, still does, um, yes. <laughs> so just to touch a little bit on each one, though, something that may not have been relayed in the staff reports or further uh, earlier conversations, the Shop Local program, that funding is for staff time, but also for direct marketing to promote that program, to keep it vibrant and to keep um, that, that platform healthy for our businesses. The Innovation Summit is a program that the Chamber had done in the past, and we're hoping to bring it back with reprogramming with a bigger emphasis on entrepreneurship and uh, see how we can really embrace that into the event. Also, the guidebook that we're planning to print on how to do your business in Vacaville, that's a book that was printed previously where um, us as well as the city are running out of uh, copies of that. And this time we want to print it in English and in Spanish to reach a broader audience. And then the scholarship program, which has had some questions, I just wanted to emphasize that that's a workforce development scholarship. It's not um, your typical 
high school student that has a high GPA, that has aspirations for a higher education outside of our city. It's really designed for um, career training, uh, maybe for those students that just wanna either go to Solano Community College or wanna get in the trades, or even for people who are coming back into the workforce and need that extra training to get back into it. So there's, there's the focus there is a little different than a typical scholarship. And just in conclusion, the ask for the chamber, our four programs represents about 1.2% of all of the ARPA funding on the table before you tonight. So a very small amount, but I feel we'll have a much bigger economic impact through the multiplier effect of that money into our community, especially the spending and the hopeful increase in commerce on the shop local program. So again, thank you for your consideration. I'm here for any questions. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Mr. Mayor. My name is Matt Gardner. I'm a resident of Vaca Valley Business Park, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I just thought I'd add a, a quick comment on the workforce training program we built uh, to coincide with this opportunity, uh, which we named the Rapid Alternative MedTech Pathway. Uh, the concept for RAMP uh, was to focus on non-degreed positions that the industry is having a hard time filling. And so we look for opportunities to support uh, facilities, uh, science and manufacturing technician and workflow processes, uh, procurement, um, even loading dock, so that we could identify areas where no Bachelor of Science is required uh, in, in most cases, uh, and we could take advantage of a less than semester length rapid training to put people straight to work in entry level positions. And as I think you've heard, uh, what we're uh, so passionate about is that this creates careers, not jobs, and the industry has been uh, so rewarding for uh, long-tenured positions uh, for people who can end up affording a home. So um, we're excited about the opportunity to, to deliver that, especially for those that are uh, facing COVID adjustment needs in areas like restaurant retail, where we find that some of those skills directly translate to areas like um, some of the facilities issues the industry has, um, procurement as well. Uh, so there are directly translatable skills that we can uh, capitalize on. The academic institutions we've partnered with are, are just as excited because they're, uh, they're all aware that this often will lead some to seek a, an actual degree, a formal education program to further their, their education. So thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much. I'm gonna close public comment. I'm gonna bring it back to the city council. I do see council member Silva. Go ahead, sir. Uh, so questions both for both commenters. Uh, Debbie's closer. Um, for the uh, Chamber of Commerce Summit, uh, so I appreciate the emphasis on entrepreneurship. I think that's really fundamental um, uh, to, to our, our local economy and uh, what makes America, America. Um, in there, I'm curious to know if there's a way to um, to have some type of develop some type of informational component to where it educates or provides the educational resources uh, to let businesses know how to tap into this industry. If we're talking about entrepreneurship, what are different ways that uh, businesses can? Um, you know, what does that mean for entrepreneurship? So I'm I know it's very broad uh, per se, but uh, I'm curious to see if there's Maybe examples that can be brought now, brought now from other other areas that uh, have increased that that um, I guess that job market or that employer market and how that's 
uh, quote unquote trickle down uh, to benefit other local business owners. Yeah, the last time we did the innovation summit was I think three years ago and we're obviously in a different um, business climate than we were then. Uh, we're seeing at the chamber many more independent contractors, many more home-based businesses, small businesses. Um, so as I mentioned, we would wanna bring it back with reprogramming to meet today's business climate. And I feel that rather than um, a speaker-based event, which we were in the past, it would be more of a resource-based event. So partnering with SBDC, partnering with other entrepreneur programs, um, there's some great ones out of Sacramento that we could maybe bring a little different component to it to address that. And then, so is that approach shown to be more, I guess, effective or have better outcomes? We haven't had a chance to try it yet. <laughs> so, so hopefully we could. Um, well, resource fair we haven't held, but I do think that the information and the um, the need for businesses to have resources that they don't provide in their own small business is becoming really apparent in the asks I get for learning series and leadership programs and such like that. So I, I think that really those resources will help uh, put businesses on track and maybe even steamroll into bigger opportunities that we can do for the city. And then, so I guess, I'm getting way too in the weeds here, but would it be communicated to those who attend, like here's these different opportunities where they can gain, gain this information? Or Yeah, we would have really clear programming for it ahead of time. Um, so you, there, you know, there would be an agenda like any type of conference, basically, you think of that you would go to. And uh, there might be different tracks within the conference for you know, startup businesses versus business acceleration versus um, established businesses. So we can look at all kinds of that. Again, the programming's, kind of in flux right now until we know that we're gonna have the event, but um, I know we've had conversations and, and we wanna pursue that. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, looking forward to, well, looking forward to supporting it and if it happens, looking forward to attending okay. it, so right. thank you. Thanks. Uh, Matt, thanks for Next. Next. <laughs> uh, so are there any, uh, uh, just to put this into context for, for everybody, um, so there's, you know, a lot of times when you, so if you wanna go to college, but, oh, I can't go to college, or it's kind of a scary, uh, notion. So if there's like a quick workforce development type, type of training center uh, that has been much more appealing and in demand lately, um, and it's something that unfortunately uh, hasn't been quite worked out uh, within the academic field uh, based on how things are structured. Um, so the way I kind of see this is, is CBC kind of taking on a workforce development uh, facility or uh, role. Is that, would that be fair? Yes. And then, um, so are there any, with this particular program, are there deliverable like outcomes or like what would, like what would be the, how do we know if we've been successful? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll want to track um, program completion and placement as well. So uh, I think we, we have eight initial certificates designed that are, um, we're not an accredited training institution. This is really just to try and be a rapid response to industry demand. So um, those are in areas where we know we can uh, fill entry level positions. And so as an example, a lab supply manager really just helps the lab flow, the, the actual scientific process, uh, so that they work with the principal scientist on what their needs are, making sure the materials for experiments are available and on hand, and then working with vendors to make sure that they're keeping up to date. We've done things like this before, as you may know. So we, in a prior role as the CEO of BayBio, I was involved with a little program to uh, help United baggage handlers that were displaced, 100% of them into uh, into needing to be retrained. And so those were 100%, I believe, non-degreed. And we worked with uh, Skyline College and Genentech to train them on manufacturing technician opportunities. 
highly regimented, sort of similar regulated space. So it translated very well. And so I think that's why we've designed these eight programs. I think we've got to uh, keep an eye on measuring the, um, the overall population that we're attracting. So, you know, how many seats have we filled? The completion rate, um, and it, as you would do in, in an academic setting, you sort of quiz at the front and the back end to make sure that there's some knowledge being transferred and then um, placement as well with employers. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I turn it on Actually, and then one more question. Uh, I'll bring it back to you. So. Go ahead, Vice Mayor. Uh, yeah, I said uh, two questions. Uh, one's primarily for Ken. For the uncommitted funds, what is the timeline where we do have to commit those funds? It has to be obligated by December of 2024 and then actually spent by December of 26. Okay, so we have a little bit of time to discuss mm -hmm. those uncommitted funds. That's probably more for the city manager. Um, if we do shift the, the funding for the Allison Apartments from ARPA funds over to Measure M, is that going to change the plan and triggering uh, the prevailing wage? No, it's not. Okay. Thank you. Councilmember Wiley. <clears throat> Thank you for the presentation. I have just a couple of comments. Um, first on the housing, I understood the comments at the last meeting where people were feeling that the two million was too much to pour into the one project um, and then reducing it to one million in this final plan for tonight, which isn't allocated yet, but will be discussed at a later time. I just want to say that, you know, housing continues to be, you know, a, a big, almost insurmountable issue. And this council has worked real hard to try to bring some affordable housing to Vacaville. Um, so in the, the presentation earlier tonight, when we talked about housing, it, we didn't have a big discussion, but there was a, we have a vouchers, but besides the use of the vouchers, there's a huge waiting list for those places. So yes, I'm not going to argue against reducing this, but the $1 million will not solve our affordable housing needs either. We just need to keep making that a priority for Vacaville. And the other thing for work for work, workforce development, I think is a wonderful program. And the money that we put into that is future benefits from that because we'll have a well-trained workforce. So I'm glad to hear that part of that is also work toward the bio uh, manufacturing. I have a question for Chamber of Commerce um, and the shop local. We did also put money into this a couple of meetings ago, I believe, to try to get it started. Do we have much, uh, I know there's more businesses that are being in it now. Is it live and are people utilizing it? Uh, I can address that it's live and it has been for several months now. SBDC has been onboarding the businesses for that. Mm -hmm. And the city um, economic development department has also done some direct marketing for the program. I personally don't have any stats for you on the results of that at this point, but I know that the goal is for that to have been a three-year program and that with the chamber's involvement going forward, we would hope to really track that and uh, in increase the businesses participating as well as keep it fresh. I've, I've worked with um, some meetings with the, the company that built the platform and they have given us some guidance on to keep it active really is to um, 
have President's Day specials and make sure the businesses are changing up the offerings on there and just to really keep it dynamic and that would be our goal. And we do have a digital communications manager on staff that that would be one of her tasks. All right, um, and so when you say shop local, it's not just merchandise? I mean, do people with services, like I was mm -hmm. currently looking for a builder and a tiler and a painter, all those people in there also? It's designed to be a Vacaville um, business and yes, services are part of that as well as I believe there's some ticket offerings on there. I know our museum has taken advantage of it for just even their shop and different events. So it, it crosses over different types of industries and organizations. Right, because as fewer and fewer things are on paper, mm -hmm. people need to see that. So I'm, I appreciate that, um, but I just wanted to ask those questions about that. Um, and then I have just one question for the finance manager. This is just, uh, you know, maybe just a little detail, but with the delinquent utility bills that people have, when you get your bill, you know, here's what you pay this month, and then if you don't pay it by next month, it's this much and this much, you know, the delinquent fees add up. Mm -hmm. So when we're paying back the fees that people are, are owing, are we paying back just the original amount or are we paying back the delinquent fees too? It would just be the original amount. So since the start of COVID back in, I think it was March of 20, we actually stopped assessing late fees or delinquent fees. So it would just be the, the actual consumption and basic fee. Thank you, because that's what I wanted to hear because that would then really affect more people. More people would have their fees forgiven if, they, if we weren't also charging those late fees. Thank you very much. And so we're still not charging late fees at this time? We currently are not. Thank you. All right, that's all for my questions. Council Member Stockton. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, my question is, um, uh, what, are, what are the current funds in Measure M since the staff recommendation is to allocate funding for the project that was approved before we had the survey results, which later showed that that's what the public wanted to spend the money on was uh, housing projects that were approved. So um, what are the current funds in Measure M? I know that's gonna be a big topic of conversation coming Coming up, we're all excited about the three by three, but I'm curious to know how much money is in that if we're talking about using funds from that. Sure, I think the balance as of December was over 30 million. Well, the reason why I ask is just, I, I, I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure, at least for my constituents, and I think throughout the city that, that, um, that the Measure M money truly is used uh, for the five uh, major topics that were sold to them with the approval of the three quarter cent tax. And so, I'm not really sure how this fits in. I'm sure that you all have looked at that to make sure that it would um, fit in with Measure M, but I think if the community wants that money, the ARPA money to go towards that project, I'm, I'm more disposed to agreeing with them and, and using the ARPA funds instead of the Measure M. Um, my constituents talk to me about parks and bike lanes and you know better trails going through the hills and uh, you know Centennial expansion um, is a big thing in, in District 1 with underserved parks and, and recreational activities for kids. We've got, um, you know, um, Carrie Walker does a great job and this, our sports um, programs throughout the city are great, but they're being used in little neighborhood parks. And, and, and I just really wanna emphasize the importance of the Measure M money going into some of those recreational activities instead of building, um, you know, apartment projects for folks when we have funding that's the community wants us to use that. So those are my questions. Councilmember Ritchie. Um, I just wanted to kind of talk about Debbie, um, small business. Um, that, 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 
<laughs> you should just stay up. No, here. no, no it, 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 it's okay. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, I, I can take it from here. Uh, but, you know, it, it's when it comes to the shop small business, and it's kind of piggybacking on one of the questions that, you know, yeah, as business changes, so does um, life of small business owner. And uh, it's just, you know, as being a small business owner myself, it, it, it was an awesome time to, like, really have a kind of self-awareness. Um, and just kind of look in the eyes of other small business owners. It was it was scary because we no one really knew where we're going, and it's something. It's, it's a very weird feeling to be told you might be forced to shut down and lose revenue, and you can't be gainfully employed or provide commerce. Um, so I, I just really commend everyone in the small business community for sticking through it and really kind of having a can-do. Like we're the backbone of this country, and um, but when it comes to shop small. Yeah, it is changing, and it, it changed with a like a rocket ship to find different ways to reach consumers, and we all were forced to do certain things that had to really kind of um, kind of engage. But you know, like paper is changing, the way we do business is changing. But um, whatever we can do to really kind of put money towards like like just like geofencing, so it it really be a great idea that every single small business back will has to, has to understand that um, you have the opportunity to catch your consumers before they go online or out to the city. And so whenever they search online, they have to invest in the ability to anything regarding dry cleaning to getting ammunition or fishing supplies. You can find it in backup mode. You just have to make sure that they are geofenced and all the small business owners understand that you have an opportunity to catch your clients before they leave the community. And I, I, whatever money we can do in education to under, understand that infographics how to really capture your, your clients in the city to make sure they shop small, don't patch your, oh, like, gosh, I knew you were there, but I always came to your place. They, they, they have to know. So I think whatever information education we use helps small business owners maintain as much of the kind of grab they can in the community. Um, and then just, yeah, the, just the money, the 1.7, I, I wish, I'm a fan of arts. I, I, I did a thing on arts, um, but you know, I, I think arts, art's amazing, and I think public art is really is really important, but you know, a public art plus just find a way to really give back to the small businesses and and obviously well mine was not on the list, but um, just every business besides mine I think should really just um, they really fought through it and just talk with them. There's a lot of unsung stories out there about how how much they gave sacrifice. So whatever we can do to help small businesses, I, I think is really important. Councilmember Wiley. option one and not making the decisions on all these other things at this time but I may be wrong but I just wanted to throw out that I do really think that with the uncommitted funds we need to find a way to help some of our nonprofits in town like the neighborhood boys and girls club and opportunity house and 11 and I want to be able to have a program so everyone knows that they can apply for that um, or so that we have a a good method of dispense distributing some of those funds if we go with nonprofits. So I just wanted to throw that out tonight. That's all. Councilmember Silva. Hi guys. Um, can we get a, um, I forget prior conversations, but one of the things that we had uh, businesses call out, you know, independently and then even in uh, publicly about um, getting access to these funds that were open less than a year. Uh, is there, is there, um, what are the challenges with that, or is there any progress in being able to find a method 
to support businesses that were negatively impacted from COVID that were open within less than a year? Sure. So um, I think if we wanted, if council wanted to address that, uh, the option would probably be to go under that revenue loss category. So that is the category that's the most broad. And so um, if I remember correctly, I think the request had to do with businesses that were open for less than a year during COVID. And so there was no way to sort of show that um, there was an impact from COVID because they happened to open during that time. And, and so if council decided um, to form a program, we would have to allocate it uh, using the revenue loss category and put some qualifiers in place for that program. But that would be the, the, the area that you would wanna do it in is under general government services and revenue loss. But we would need to know what sort of qualifications, are we looking at new businesses with minority owners or um, under a certain employee number? small business loan or small business grant program. Um, and we can actually add to that if the council ever decides to, to go down that path. For businesses that were not eligible for that first round. So tar particularly targeting those within that, that open within one year. Right, right. Uh, so our program a year and a half ago did not allow businesses that were newly open to, to partake in that program. If the council wishes to go t that direction, that's something that that the council can look into. That wouldn't be under this item, though. I'm sorry? Because that wouldn't be under this item. That'd be something right. we yep. bring back. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Um, and thank you. Thanks. Uh, the other question I have on the city, under the city services for the arts, citywide arts master plan strategy, what would be the difference with that compared to what we currently have? I'm not sure who can answer that. So this would be a comprehensive look at um, a variety of different things. Governance for one, because we have a variety of different, um, you know, uh, bodies involved in our current uh, structure. Uh, we look at uh, goals and objectives. We look at all the different aspects of um, procurement um, and the methodology of how to present art in, in public places, as well as just the full gamut. And so something that um, our Parks and Recreation Department has been looking at and evaluating, and I believe the cost to do a comprehensive master plan would be roughly in the neighborhood of about 150,000. Um, but again, this would be something that would be a complement to things such as our recently completed downtown specific plan um, in terms of you know creating placemaking opportunities in downtown and other parts of the city. And so right now we have pieces here and there um, but if we do want to pursue that next level, um, our best bet, in our opinion, is to do a, a master plan in that regard. Okay. Sorry, give me a shaker stop for us. Okay, thank you for your answer. Um, so two other, uh, last two items. Um, so last time, or uh, prior, in between the two meetings when this was last presented and now, I uh, had motion, uh, but without, uh, pursuing the motion uh, for bringing back uh, on this particular item uh, uh, discussion around funding for a health education council. No one here is familiar with that yet, um, but that would go to um, essentially what that would go to is um, actually I got to hold off on that. I think the Brown Act. Um, so, uh, so I'm, I would like uh, for council to 
Uh, I need it on an agenda um, to s discuss bring, bring allocating that under, uh, city council, and then I need um, another uh, one for neighborhood plan on there. So, so for these, so for city, the recommendation, if it's for city council comments for those two, would that also go for uh, newly open uh, businesses as well, or would that be worked into this agreement here? And I'm not sure how my council feels about the arts plan. If there's a support of it, I'll support it. I'm not going to hold it up. Wouldn't we need to come back with a report? So for the items that uh, Council Member Silva is, is referencing in terms of um, future funding opportunities, that would be something that we could come back to the Council um, with direction on in terms of how to allocate those 1.7 million uh, funds and uncommitted funds at this time. Um, as far as the other business element, I would suggest that we put that in there as well so that we can evaluate you know, the type of program and, and bring that material back to the council for consideration at a future meeting date. All right, thank you. Council hey, Member. Mayor, can I jump in? Yep, I'm getting to you, brother. Council Member Sullivan. Thank you. Thank you very much, I appreciate it. Um, so, so I share some similar um, thoughts and concerns. I think uh, Ken and staff, great job on the slide deck. I think slide eight was just very well done and it kind of sums kind of where I'm where I'm feeling at um, I, I want to get some money out the door quickly and so you know what I'm really thinking right now that makes a lot of sense is that uh, we move forward with the options one or a I can't remember I'm sorry that that basically uh, represents what's on flight eight you know I, I actually would like to see the city services line item shifted over though I'd like some more time to think about that and talk about that um, reason being is we had, you know, one of our sur first general fund budget surpluses in, in quite a few years this last year. Uh, we had a banner sales tax year. We had, uh, you know, above projected measure M. I think, you know, ARPA really is for people that were impacted by COVID. And, and honestly, the city revenue-wise, you know, surprisingly wasn't significantly impacted. And so I'd like a little more time to think about that and also think that that is the best and highest use of those funds, especially when we're talking about public arts and things of that sort. Not that those aren't important, I just think those could be funded out of other categories and maybe that million can go towards small businesses or go towards other categories. So I really like slide eight. I'd like to shift a million in city services over to give us some more time to think about it. I would love for this to, to launch the things on the left side tonight and then on the right-hand side, I'd really like staff to maybe engage with the Boys and Girls Club. I think each council member has been hit up probably a couple times for various board members. I've heard different things about how close they are to groundbreaking or not. You know, I'd love to have some details, some hard facts from them on kind of what they're asking for, what they're looking for, what they need. Um, the second piece of that is we've had many calls from local arts organizations that are just dying on the vine. You know, the, the cost for uh, COVID related precautions during um, uh, productions is just bankrupted some of them and they need some help. Um, Councilmember Silva and I think Wiley's point about, you know, businesses that maybe couldn't actually bid on the first round of COVID grants, it really rings true. There's a couple of great businesses in Vacaville that decided to open during the pandemic, or maybe they opened a few months before and um, didn't have that year of, of history to apply, but are doing great things and providing great services that could use a little love and help. So I'd love to have that brought back um, at the next conversation as well. Um, the last piece that I think, you know, I'd like to hear a little more about is childcare is also sort of a crisis for employment, a crisis for folks that were impacted by COVID. I know we have some serious issues with our TGIF programs and our after school programs. You know, I'd love if maybe staff can kind of brainstorm a couple of childcare ideas or TGIF ideas in that second section. Um, anyways, I, I, I think we have a, a lot of things to work with here. 
maybe Ms. Egidio, if you could send some more information on the, um, the scholarships to council, I still have some heartburn over that and it's nothing personal. It's just the type of funding requests and the type of dollars. I think it's probably a really worthwhile program, but, um, you know, I still have some questions and some, um, some, some reservations on the, the scholarship piece. So I absolutely love slide eight. I, I would recommend slide eight. We shift the chamber of commerce, I'm sorry, the, uh, the city services line over to the right side and then staff bring back some information on all the topics that council sort of suggested tonight for us to mull through uh, for that second second dip at the funding. So uh, good job staff. And, and those are kind of my thoughts and kind of where I'm at so far tonight. Thank you, sir. Uh, and then my final thoughts. Um, I agree with council members uh, Sullivan I'd like to go with option A. Um, my, my only ask tonight, and I'm hoping that the city council is gonna be okay with this. Um, there's two, two folks that we don't typically give money to, two folks that put on big events for this uh, city. Uh, that's Merriman on Main and Fiesta Days, which is coming up. And what I would ask uh, this council tonight, and I'm gonna motion for tonight. Uh, obviously we still have 1.7. I think council member Silva has some great ideas when we bring it back. Love to explore those ideas. Uh, Council member uh, Sullivan, more great ideas. Obviously we still have 1.7 bring back to this council and discuss where we can uh, shore up some things. Love to help out the Boys and Girls Club. Love the Boys and Girls Club. Want to help them out as much as we can. But tonight I would, uh, I would uh, I'm gonna go ahead and make the motion to go with option A. Um, and then coming back, and you heard the direction from the council, what we need to discuss from Silva and Sullivan and possibly a couple other folks. Uh, but I would like to throw in uh, 10,000 for Merriman on Main, 10,000 for Fiesta Days, um, if the council will go with that. Sorry. Hey, Mayor, can I make a, a friendly amendment in probably a second? Do you mind if we move the city services line over to the discuss further column, just so we have a little more time to mull that over, but everything else I said, uh, said uh, sounds great. Absolutely, and, and I agree with that. I, I, I'm sorry okay. I forgot you said that. And, and with that amendment, I'll make that motion. I'll second, thank you, Mayor. On the question? If it was 10,000, I don't think anybody was actually looking for it. I think this was just like, wow, I think yeah. they'll be excited. I don't even know if Ralph's in here. <laughs> I think I think it, it's a, a friendly gesture, and I, I, you know we can come back and talk about it again. Uh, I just know Fiesta is coming up. Uh, they put tried to put on the event when the pandemic was coming through. They spent a lot of money and couldn't raise any money, um, and that's uh, it's a huge event. It's, a, it's something that's incredibly great for our city. Um, same thing. Uh, we still got a tree uh, for Merriman on Main, uh, but they couldn't go out and collect money. But they continued to support the city even though we couldn't have the event. So those are the only two right now. Uh, we're bringing back 1.7 million to discuss. Did you have another? Yeah, that was my question. Is this the one loosely reverting the money to measure M to the project? No, I think it reverts back to what we were. Is that correct? So under option A, the um, Allison project would be funded out of measure M. Okay. You want me to amend that? And that's my concern is just that I think that I love that we're supporting uh, Merriman on Main in Fiesta Days, but I think they fall close, more closely under what Measure M was enacted for than for the ARP funds. So that that's my hangup is like even with ARP, like I believe that falls directly under Measure M, just mm -hmm. like with the parks and the trails and those things as well. So that's that's my hangup. 
I'm going to stick with the motion. I have a second. Roll call. Uh, quick question to sure. So if we post, is there any negative impact if we postpone city services? Great question. No, they've already been paid for. <laughs> Roll call. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yes. Councilmember Sullivan. Yes. Councilmember Stockton. Councilmember Ritchie. Yes. Councilmember Silva. Uh, yes. Councilmember Wiley. Yes. Marillette. Yes. Okay. Uh, we will move to reports of the city manager. Mr. City Manager, do you have anything to report tonight? Just real quickly, Mr. Mayor, if I could, I'd just like to uh, acknowledge the completion of a, of a recent uh, COV Connect event, our second uh, Make a Difference Day uh, that we held on April 2nd, uh, just this couple weekends ago. Uh, another successful event, I'd like to acknowledge Jill Childers, our fire marshal, and her team of very dedicated staff. Um, Another fantastic effort. I'd also like to thank all the volunteers um, comprised of city staff and other members from our community. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, I'd also like to thank council for your continued support and, and being out there, um, but also funding this great program. Uh, I will tell you that for, you know, what seems like to most of you who have participated in a six, seven hour event, it took months to put this on. And um, we'll come back to council with all the details and the numbers on this. A particular event but another successful outing and just another opportunity to connect with our community and show uh, that we are out there to make a difference and partner together to to really improve uh, you know what's happening in Vacaville so uh, again thank you to the council for your su continued support of that program and to Jill and your team for doing an excellent job so thank you thank you very much we will move on to item 11 reports to city council we have council member Silva go ahead sir uh, yeah, just kind of echoing off of that. This is the uh, second time I've been a part of it, and I'll always admit that I was never quite a full believer when it was first pitched to me. But um, there's something about actually getting down and you know working uh, along with complete strangers and getting to know them through a couple hours. Um, you know the conversations. Uh, you know seeing the the folks that are pretty happy. Uh, the particular house that I was uh, voluntold to go to uh, was um, uh, my understanding was. Uh, uh, elder lady, uh, elder woman resided there and, you know, just kind of need some help with her yard. And there was a, you know, small other voluntolds uh, to go there and, and uh, you know, that, oh, we're just going to dig up this first part of the, the lawn. I'm like, oh, and then, because uh, it's kind of hard work. I'm like, oh, and here's, here's this small tool to do it. I'm like, oh, can we get a bigger budget? And then, uh, and then, oh, we're also going to shovel up these rocks. I'm like, oh, man, I can't even do that in my own front yard. So, um, but uh, it's just amazing to see, uh, you know, knowing how hard that work it is. You know, I did it ever since I was a kid with my dad, as far back as I can remember. Um, knowing how hard that work, it, that type of work is, uh, seeing how everybody pulled together, um, you know, it got done quick within, within a couple hours. And, you know, recology being on spot uh, to making sure that things didn't get back up, that was, that was really key. Um, to that and obviously see the, all the planning um, and just to echo that that house just signed up uh, the last minute and so um, you know staff under you know Jill's leadership being super flexible and accommodating to that is uh, you know you can see it in the the residents uh, souls of, of how much it impacts them and I, I 
think it's it's a pretty phenomenal program. So I'm I'm here to support of this. Um, so a couple other things. I just want to clarify the. Uh, so thank you. Okay. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, so just to clarify, those other items will be on the next meeting agenda for the uh, to be further discussed for ARPA. When we bring back the ARPA, it yeah. won't be on the next agenda, but it will come back when we okay. bring back ARPA. Well, well, then I'll make a motion for the next meeting agenda uh, to bring back allocating uh, thirty-five thousand dollars to the Health Education Council. Do you want to turn that around that quick? It's money. Well, I think this is really just about a, a request of council to support the councilman's request to um, an effort that he is currently working on uh, with district dollars and explore the possibility with the greater council to spread that cost at, at, on a citywide level, if, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's the conversation that I think the councilman is looking to have with the collective council. Can you have a report ready to educate this whole council by next meeting? It would be tight. Um, we, if we can try to get it on the 10th or the 24th, that would be... Um, Will you give them that leeway? The next meeting is the 10th. Understood. So I'm saying the 10th May. or the 24th of May. Oh, the 10th, the 10th is fine for that one. Or uh, the, so or or the 24th. Huh? Or the 24th. Or the 24th. All right, so I need to clarify my motion. Um, so the motion is to bring back allocating um, ARPA funds to fund the contract proposal for Health Education Council and to also uh, possibly reimburse district funds that would go to support phase one of this contract that you guys don't know about yet. Dwayne? By uh, 524. So we have that motion. We just need a second. I'm going to second. Roll call vote. Councilmember Sullivan? Uh, yes. Councilmember Stockton? Yes. Councilmember Ritchie? Yes. Councilmember Silva? Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts? Yes. Councilmember Wiley? Yes. Mayor Roulette? Yes. Thank you, everybody. Uh, second motion. Uh, to also bring back for discussion, and this one can wait to when the rest of it comes back for a neighborhood plan, um, to look at our more underserved, quote unquote, uh, lower income areas, uh, to develop a neighborhood plan for that in the amount of up to 120,000 uh, to be discussed or earmarked for ARPA funding. We do not need a motion. You just give direction and they'll have for you. Well, I don't know, because last time, you know, we'll, we'll get you. Can I stick with the motion? I would like to stick with the motion. I like it. I'm it's, learning from my... It's, it's going to be... It, Mr. City Manager, you, you heard the direction from it. I think just to make sure to give the councilman the, the, the confidence that he's looking for... If we it's going to be discussed openly, $1.7 million to how we're going to spend it. Correct. I'm comfortable with that. That it will definitely be part of the because then I'm going to make a motion to bring it back to Boys and Girls Club, and then I'm going to make a motion. You know, we're we, going to bring it back. We've heard you loud and clear tonight. Well, that, okay. Are you fair? Is that fair? I thought we heard it last time. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have a third one? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, so the third one is not under ARPA, uh, but there is um, appreciate Parks and Rec bringing uh, bringing forth their plans from the Chower Park um, uh, improvement plan uh, just feedback from uh, limited folks from the community and commissioners uh, was to support uh, uh, 
a little bit more robust um, uh, plan for that particular park. So my motion is to uh, to have Parks and Rec bring back the um, the, the proposal for Charles Park uh, with the intent um, to address the community's uh, the neighborhood's request, um, and that would entail uh, possibly that would entail it will entail seeking additional funding uh, for Measure M to support. So, uh, and I need council to weigh on that if that's something council is willing to support additional funding to address the needs uh, based on the needs and requests of the residents surrounding Charles Park. On top of the 1.7? Yep. So I, I've got a, can I, can I make an amendment to that, Councilmember Silver, or can I suggest one? Silva, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, so it, it, Silva. listening to the Parks and Recreation meeting, it's not just Trower Park. I mean, there were some other concerns with basically we approved a rough budget. It went off to the commission. The commission approved rough plans. Uh, you know, sizable outreach and things were done. The plans were designed and they're kind of off and running, but there is no, from what I understand from the last Parks and Recreation meeting, there's no, um, there's no meeting where this comes back in front of council or the Parks and Rec Commission. And so there were some pretty significant uh, requests and concerns and also a sizable budget reduction at the Trower Park um, plan because of a, a grant that didn't come through. But it wasn't just Trower Park. There was Sierra Vista and there were a couple other options on there as well. Um, I'd really like to actually have some deeper conversations about Sierra Vista as well. I've been talking with staff offline a little bit about outreach and other ideas and coordinating with the school. And so I, I would also appreciate probably a similar conversation to Silva, to Councilor Silva's um, about Sierra Vista. So I'm wondering if maybe staff can bring back kind of updates on the Measure M Park project that we have going with any status changes or budget updates and also providing some opportunity for council to provide input on those projects because they're there, there is a gap from what we approved to what is now moving forward. Um, I think council would probably appreciate having another bite of that apple. So I, I guess my amendment would be to, to council member Silva's motion would be to include um, all of the parks on the measure M list, just a quick update and then opportunity for dialogue from council. Okay. Can, can we just, can we just bring back to a council meeting to discuss all parks and the needs and but certainly we can do that. I think what we're experiencing here is is that there's we're trying to go through the policies and procedures right. that we're adopted for the council to put things on the agenda. And so that's to to be fair to that process, I think that's why we're doing that. So if we have the second, you take the vote, we'll we'll put it on there and come back with an update on all those items. Well, you just amend it to say we're gonna look at all the parks because you know, as I go around Vacaville and I take my son out to these parks, lots of our parks are needing a lot of love. Well, I think to make this more effective from a time efficient standpoint, let's focus on the Measure M parks because I think sure. this is an opportunity I'm fine for, with that. For, for us to educate the council on, on the process because what we're talking about are park remodels, not new parks. We're talking about remodels and upgrades to existing parks with right. existing deficiencies that based on the Parks and Rec Master Plan that this council approved and the needs assessment that was in there, there were uh, upgrades that were uh, recommended and approved as part of the measure and budget as last year's budget. So it's not your traditional type of new park project and that's why you, you haven't seen um, these plans come back to you all because they're, they're redos, they're remodels. And so we'll be happy to bring that back to you, explain how we got where we did, why we budgeted what we did, and, and then if the council seeks to um, embellish those, 
that's that's fine. We'd have to discuss funding and timing um, because there's been a lot of progress being made on those particular projects. And if you'd like to change that, we'll definitely listen to that. But just understand that that will definitely have some ramifications in terms of potential funding and time. Great. You want to second his motion? Then? Yes. Did I get okay? We're roll call vote. Yes. Uh, well, he kind of stole Silva's anyway. So. <laughs> Councilmember Stockton. Yes. Councilmember Ritchie. Yes. Councilmember Silva. Yes. <laughs> Councilmember Sullivan. Sorry, I'm, I'm having trouble with the mic, guys. We're just bringing back the Measure and Park projects to Council for dialogue. Is that what we're voting on? I'm sorry. It's your motion, yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Yes, I, I vote yes. Thanks. Councilmember Wiley. Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yes. Mayor Rollette. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, Councilmember Sullivan, did you have something under council comments? I, I do. Thank you, Mayor. I really appreciate it. So I just wanted to jump really quickly on the city manager's comments. You know, Aaron, team, staff, Jill, a uh, tremendous job uh, in District 4 a couple weekends ago. A huge thank you to all the staff and volunteers who showed up. Uh, the neighborhood looks great. Uh, you know, just so proud of the work that we did. You know, thank you to my peers on council that we were able to make it out. And, you know, just a really awesome event. Uh, so I, I was glad to be the recipient of the, the, the second event uh, for the neighborhood cleanup. And it it just really was amazing. So a huge thank you to the whole team, you know, and, and Aaron, thank you for your comments tonight. It was, it was a really meaningful and powerful event for District 4. So thank you so much. The last piece is I did have a conversation. I actually tuned into the last Parks and Recreation meeting as well. Um, I know the council was was very interested and very supportive of the Parks and Recreation Scholarship. You know, I know even last council meeting there were some comments about using some money from from certain areas to, to put back towards kids. Um, it is my understanding that the scholarship money has run out and that there is a wait list now. And I think you know, for probably a fairly nominal amount of money, twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, you know, we could probably refill that scholarship account so the kids who can't afford to pay Parks and Rec fees or or um, costs can actually play local Vacaville youth sports to the city of Vacaville. So I, I don't know if I need to make a motion for this. I'm hoping maybe the city manager can just handle this administratively. I'd like to get that fully, you know, if there's kids out there can't afford to play, I, I, I want to pay for them to play. And I, I have a feeling that my, my peers would probably support us in that. So I don't know if we need to have a conversation brought back to council or if Aaron, you can kind of work through that or that maybe there's, budget, there's right? some other avenue there. But can we augment that budget to make sure that we have uh, enough spaces for every kid who wants to play sports this year, play sports, and maybe augment next year's budget if we don't think there'll be enough? So thank you, Councilman. Um, I'll have to check um, the current status of that because last time I saw uh, there were still some remaining funds, but I believe that there could be some that are um, expected to be committed. So I'll have to verify just the, the final dollar amount. And then um, I'll work with our Parks and Rec Department and our Finance Department to see what options are available should there be a need for that. Uh, if there truly is a need to augment the current budget, um, then we would have to bring that back um, for council action. Or you know, next month we will begin budget discussions for the upcoming fiscal year, so we can uh, certainly address it there as well. Great. Okay, that that sounds good. Yeah. So as we ramp up for for t-ball and soccer and all those things, I just want to make sure every kid in back will get the shot. Thank thank you, City Manager. Councilmember Ritchie. Yes. So my, mine is really uh, almost around Council Thomas. So it, it, I had the opportunity. Um, it's kind of like they don't want the lifetime. It happens a lot. It's like something to the lifetime. But um, a few weeks ago, 
I, I get kicked out of my own bed by a 30-pound dog and a 50-pound kid. And so I was sitting in the spare bedroom and also heard an explosion. It sounded like gunshots. And as most people do, they, I run outside and said, why not see the action? And it wasn't gunshots. Um, all of a sudden, I just see this back of police cars just screaming at my street. Lock the brakes up, jump out. I look over two houses down. It's like a bomb went off, the house on fire. And the explosions were stuff blowing up in the garage. And I was all in black anyway, so I was sleeping. So I told my wife to get inside and I just watched. And I watched our back of police department. Um, it's kind of, and it simplifies like, lead more in training to do less in war. Like I watched them just scream at the block. Like three young officers jumped out. They were running house to house like it was their own families in the houses. And they were just, I mean, banging the doors. Like, get out, get out, get out. And I was all by, I, I kind of stood back and kind of watched. And all of a sudden my neighbor's house is door, they're freaking out. I ran across the street to help them, brought the kids over. No sooner than I got the kids out of the house next door, like there comes a station truck coming. And by the time I got back outside, the street looked like a bomb went off. There was like back of fire. It was, it was like, it was a drill. Um, and this, this was advice, training, training, training. But it was just awesome to watch how they came on the scene. They act like there's their own families, um, lives are in danger and how they ran house to house, banging doors, get everybody out of the house. I mean, the fire department just rolled, rolled out. And so I stood back and just watched the whole thing, made sure, first of all, the neighbors got out of the house safely. And I just watched our fire department and police just take action the whole block. And we had trucks come from Rio Vista and Fairfield help out. And it was awesome to see, just to sit back and watch them, like, lay a mat out. Like, what are they doing? It's a big mat on someone's lawn. And sure enough, they started throwing down tanks. It was just, they just knew exactly what to do in a chronological order. They executed. Um, it is an opportunity to really see like what they do in private to keep us safe in public. Um, and I just want to commend your guys, your teams, because you know practice, practice, practice makes chances. Like, and they just executed on a level that was awesome. And I had a chance, you know, the guy's house is burning down in front of him. He's stressed out, so you know I had no shoes on. So I went to my house. He had no shoes out of his house. I gave him clothes, and I watched one of the firefighters come downstairs, I, I know who the guy was, but I, I don't say his name, and he handed the guy a pair of glasses, so he had enough common, he was composed enough to actually get the guy's glasses from the house is burning down, handed to him, and just kind of that comfort, and it was just, it's just like, those little things that you don't hear about, when it comes to like, you know, like, just, you know, last, last few years have been pretty turmoil and full of like public safety, and this and that, and we're going into budgets, but, you know, it's awesome to see all the things they do and when it comes to fruition, we need them when they're there. So I, I just really appreciate you guys and your teams because I, I was able to kind of step back and I got noticed after a while, like, Rich, what are you doing here? It's like, first of all, one, one, one of the captains will put shoes on because I guess the stuff I was walking is not healthy for you. But um, it, it was it was just, it was really, it was awesome to see just how they, they're a machine and to sit back and really like, that's you know, when they ask for training and when they ask for things like, like to watch them just throw down tanks. I mean, they were going back and back and back in the house. And it was just toxic smoke. Like, our neighbor smoked like five days straight. And that, they were sucking that stuff in. And, you know, so just really to see, like, instinctively, they knew they put life in danger, health, 
and it's jaded. And so I just want to commend that, that, you know, I wish the community could have seen in action, you know, at the kind of the inception of it to the closing. Um, but I just really appreciate the opportunity to see public safety do the job. Great story. Thank you. Councilmember Wiley. Um, I just wanted to say that I also was participating in the event at the neighborhood in, on Klamath, and it was a really wonderful event. And we also had one earlier in the year, I think it was October, in uh, District 3. And so when we had our town hall meeting in District 6, people were interested in having an event like that. But that takes a lot of effort and money to have everyone pull together. So we could not do that in District 6. But we are going to have a spruce up day on April 23rd. And so the residents in District 6 will have the opportunity to clean their own garage or lawn and, and bring their debris into five different debris bins. So we're working with Recology. So if anyone would like to volunteer, I can't call you all for, <laughs> I don't want to violate the Brown Act, but on April 23rd, if you want to give two hours to District 6 um, from any time between 8.30 and 4.30, that'd be great. Just to be there to greet the people who are dropping things off and make sure they throw the debris toward the beginning of the bin so we don't fill it up before the front is empty and the back is full. Like I noticed Council Member uh, Richie trying to throw things over the bin in the front because people had already filled it up. I wasn't able to throw things over, but I let him do that. So um, that's April 23rd. And I just think it's a real great idea. And our, our District 6 is very involved. We have a little neighborhood group, and they had a meeting um, a couple weeks ago. And we had planning commissioners, and we had parks and rec commissioners, and we had city staff and from police. So it was really great for the neighborhood to see the people. So I think that's one thing that our districts are doing. You know, we just did our... Um, district map at a special meeting last time. And it is good to have districts pull together to be part of Vacaville, but also to know each other and work together. Um, so one thing I would like to see in the future for city council is that a little information about proclamations and resolutions, because I don't know exactly if there's policy or how that's decided. Um, because I had a resident talking to me about a resolution for aging, and I have worked with the city manager, and that's going to be in place for May, because May is the month for aging, like we had the housing uh, resolution, resolution tonight. So I'd just like a little bit more information so everyone understands what the policy is or the procedure for resolutions and proclamations. We, so uh, yeah, we just actually just passed that. I thought we a, had a year and a half ago. Or yeah, we'll, we'll get that. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yeah, uh, just two things. Uh, first one's on the same day as neighborhood cleanup that city manager spoke of earlier. There's also VACACON, which is put on by Parks and Rec, which was a really fun event, seeing everybody dressed up in either store-bought or handmade costumes. Council member Silva, Sullivan, and myself all dressed up in costume. We got to judge the, the costume contest, essentially. So it's a really fun event. There's Surprisingly, a lot, lot more people than I expected to be there and looking forward to next year's. Uh, the second piece is uh, regarding the district dollars. I had a conversation with the city attorney. I actually asked her a question on the, the part about donations, which I was talking about with the uh, community park or the community garden. And you mentioned that it'd have to come back to council. What exactly would have to happen to bring that back? Do we just revisit the item and look at the categories? Sorry, right now it's my understanding that donations are not um, a, an approved category under the district dollars program. 
So uh, yes, you would have to agendize that um, item and bring it back for further consideration by the council. Okay, Madam Chair, wants to add. And, and I would just add that, you know, that was a, uh, intended to be a pilot program to, to try to um, infuse some uh, opportunities for the district, different districts into the community. And so we started out with some, you know, recommended policies and guidelines. And I think uh, we're all learning, you know, the, the, um, the good, bad, and ugly associated with that. And so I anticipate coming back to council at a meeting sooner than later uh, with some ideas for conversation about how we use those going forward. Okay, yeah, yeah I really appreciate the district dollars and pilot program. This is one little hiccup, maybe we wanna think about revisiting the proof categories with at least amending it. So looking forward to discussing that again. Thank you. Okay, I will wrap it up for uh, council comments. Um, uh, first, I want to say, and uh, and we have just a small amount of staff here tonight. Um, however, uh, very excited. I was bouncing through these hallways, uh, and I want to thank this council for bringing us back in person. Uh, it, it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling to be here uh, and see everyone. Um, uh, through the last two years, uh, this staff, and, and I hope you take this back to all your staff members, uh, you guys have been through an incredible amount of uh, you know obstacles and things that have been thrown at you and um, and it's tough when when you're on zoom people forget they're talking to a person and you just start spewing sometimes hate sometimes horrible things and you guys have been the brunt of a lot of that and so I, I just wanted to take a moment and just thank you for everything you've done everything you've endured over the last two years I'm gonna knock on wood because I hope that we stay um, in, in session, uh, in person. Um, I hope nothing else uh, jumps back off and we have to run back to Zoom because I personally hated Zoom. I love the interaction. I love people coming to the dais and to the podium to speak. Um, but I just can't thank this staff enough for all you do. And, and I appreciate you thanking the fire and police departments. Um, but you guys are an incredible staff. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, every department, and I can go through every one of you, have done an amazing job. I absolutely want to thank uh, Brian McLean. Uh, he's been helping us out with an issue, and I wanted to publicly thank you for all your hard work with that. Um, and then the final thing, and all the staff, I'm, not, I'm including everyone, besides Aaron, I'm oh. including everyone. <laughs> um, we had, uh, you know, that was a great note, but we did have uh, an incredible man pass away uh, a dear friend of mine and uh, Roy Stockton, uh, thank you very much, Councilmember Stockton, for giving me a call and saying that uh, we should absolutely close this meeting in remembrance of him. Uh, Bruce Simpson uh, passed away unexpectedly. Uh, we lost a friend, we lost a neighbor, um, but most importantly, a community partner. He did more for uh, this city, uh, even when he was not even living in this city. Um, he was a retired Walnut Creek police officer, a husband to one of our own Vacaville firefighters, uh, excuse me, fire department engineers, Mindy Simpson. Uh, Bruce made it his business to seek out opportunities, champion fundraisers, events, causes that would bring the community together. Um, I can't emphasize enough of what he did, um, and I'm gonna go through a few things, but he was a spark in our community and he did so much and it was just it, it was for no reason other than to give to the community and I, 
I can't stress it enough, over two decades with working with Brendan Theater's uh, corporate security director, Bruce regularly partnered with the theater to host uh, movie screenings for first responders, uh, various community and youth organization. He routinely championed and organized fundraisers in Vacaville, including the Vacaville Police Cadet Program, Vacaville Fire Cadet Program, Vacaville Police K-9 Unit, Vacaville Police Activities League, the Vacaville Boys and Girls Club, a fundraiser he arranged, a private showing for Jurassic World, and brought in a special guest, Chris Pratt, uh, just to help out two Vacaville kids battling cancer. Um, in 2014, he organized Operation Santa, which he collected donations of cash, gift cards, presents from his personal contacts, family, friends each year on Christmas Day. Bruce, along with the Vacaville Police Department, uh, would find individuals and families in Vacaville, surprise them with the gifts. Bruce took pride in simply being able to bless others with his kindness and generosity in the sake of making our community a beautiful place to call home. In 2017, when approached by family friends, Jeremy and Felicia Johnson, uh, about setting up a sensory friendly, uh, as you folks know, uh, my son's autistic, they have sensory uh, issues. He actually reached out to me and said, what do you think, would this work? Um, and he pioneered uh, this sensory friendly uh, movie screening. And so he could um, make sure that the kids with special needs were able to go into the movie theaters and enjoy it when they would dim or actually they would raise the lights, they would dim the, uh, the uh, volume so these kids could sit through the movies that they couldn't normally sit through. Um, um, it did always around April uh, for Autism Awareness Month, which we are in Autism Awareness Month right now. Uh, some of these children and fr families uh, were be able to be there for the first time just to see a public screening. Uh, for all the friends, family, and community that knew Bruce, for anyone that came to call him a friend, um, he, he had a true calling, and it was a genuine heart to serve and help others. During the celebration of life for Bruce, his wife, Mindy, had the following request. The greatest thing you could do for Bruce's memory is to go out in the world and just do good. And um, keep your eyes open for people who are in need and make it happen. Although that we are very saddened that Bruce is no longer with us, we are beyond grateful for over 25 years that he spent serving this community. And uh, I would like to close this meeting in remembrance of Bruce Simpson. And thank you. So with that, uh, we are going to go to 12A. Uh, it's closed session. We will not be reporting anything out. So with that, good night, Vacaville.